Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. Yeah, so welcome to this week's episode. Um, we're coming to you live out of Rudapurt uh, from Trenton's workshop, which has been rearranged yet again. Yet again. It's yes. an ongoing process, so uh, yeah, I know I reorganize my workshop every couple of months too. <laughs> yeah, it happens, man. It's yeah. it's like um, I just get frustrated because mm. I'm trying to figure out where everything needs to go. Mm. I've been needing to do this jeweler's like yeah. half round cutout thingy, my yeah. bobbin for a while, yeah. and uh, it just never happened. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a bugger. Yeah. But uh, it, it's done now, so yeah. hopefully it will work. I think it's going to work. It's just. It's just. Yeah. So <laughs> it just makes a nice recording station for the podcast. It <laughs> does. It does. You can feel like you can actually get in there. You yeah. Know? Get in there. Nice little half round. Yeah. So you are. So uh, I saw on, on Instagram you finished up those two bushcrafters, mm. and Sean mm. Nuns did the sheets for them. They're looking pretty just. Sean Nuns. Shout out to Sean Nuns. Yeah. He is an incredible dude. He's a really nice guy. Mm. Um, besides the fact that he does incredible work with his, his uh, sheaths, I mm. think you introduced me to him. Yeah, uh, he's been doing my sheaths for about, yeah, probably about four years now, three yeah. four years. Because I just don't have time to do leather work. It, it doesn't interest me, and I don't have a clean space to do it. Well, that's the thing. I think I think give it to the guys who know what they're doing when it yeah. comes to leather. I'm not saying that you don't. Um, yeah. I've done it, but I just don't have the desire. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, you want to become good at something. Yeah. You don't want to try and become good at everything because you'll never succeed. <sighs> It, yeah, it's it's a tough one to say that I don't. I mean, it's gonna take you much longer. It's to gonna get take you longer. Mm. I don't think it's that you won't necessarily succeed. I just think it's it's like why not give it to the dude who knows what he's doing and mm. and that's his business. Support the guys mm. who who can do it better than you and who have the ambition behind it. Mm. And it, I mean, I've seen some of the other work he's done, like man bags and things like that. Yeah. Like really detailed. Really detailed. Uh, very, very I don't know nice. If it's carving or imprinting or whatever the fuck they call it. But artwork on the leather is is stunning. Yeah. I I yeah, it's I think it's called tooling. Tooling. Yeah, it's tooling. Yeah. yeah. Tooling. Um when you yeah. press the 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 stamps, you basically mm. wet the leather from my understanding. You wet the leather um, and then you stamp in the – did you see the Trail Tracker Survival yeah. stamp that he punched in there? That yeah. looks flippant sick. That's cool. It's very cool. I dig that. Yeah. I dig that. So, yeah, yeah huge shout-out to my man, Sean. Is yeah, it Sean think, Nuns or Sean Noons? I don't know. We'll have to get him on the show. We'll have to, I said to him <laughs> yesterday we're going to have to get him on the show. Yeah, I've got to swing past him on the way home because he's got a knife of mine that's been there since December. <laughs> Or beginning of Since January, December, I don't know. What the but it's it's the, it's a it was a project knife that I did. Okay. So it's not it hasn't got an owner. Okay. All right. Well, but what I've been working on. Yes, let's have a look, ski. Is uh, this dagger? But I'll get Trenton to take it close to the to the camera. But it's a mini gladius. Yeah. With a very complicated handle. It's got too many pieces. My brain hurts thinking about it. For for those listening on the open half cast, we'll. Uh, 
we'll take some pictures and share that on Instagram. Mm. And a huge thank you. Yeah, we are just past 100 followers now. Well, we're on 100. Quite, okay. Yeah, just we're on 100 followers as of uh, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. You on, uh, on Instagram. So thank you guys for the support on that. And for the guys on Facebook, here it is. That's uh, Tim's work, right? It's the, the blade will uh, obviously show at some time, but mm. uh, African blackwood. With uh, bronze and, and mild steel. Bronze and mild steel. It's an incredible, incredible mini gladius. Yeah, mini yeah. gladius, yeah. Now I need to make a bigger one. Now you need to make a bigger one. Yeah. I just need to make something of that standard. <laughs> Getting there. I mean, we must. You must still show me your, your thoughts on on mm. uh, on the takedown dagger you designed. Yeah, I designed that at Jack's place the mm. other day, and he's like, "So what's what's so complicated about this?" I'm like, "Understanding how to put it together. <laughs> That's what's so complicated." Oh, uh, flip yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited about that. Mm. Um, I will I will pull it off at some point, mm. but yes, I want to do a lot of planning before I go into it. Make sure that there's lots of <clears throat> lots of thought behind everything, mm. so I can understand what goes where mm. and understand how not to stuff it up. Yeah, yeah. So um, on that, are you going to do hollow grinds or are you going to do flat grinds? I want to do hollow grinds, mm. but uh, the problem is <sighs> the problem with that is that I just haven't done enough hollow grinds in my life. Um, I mean, I was doing my first little bit of hollow grinds at Jack the other day and he's like, what are you doing? You can't <laughs> see what you're doing because I'm so used to grinding mm. flat grinds mm. that it's not, and I don't know. Some guys say that flat grinding is easier than hollow grinding. Other guys say the <coughs> hollow grinding is easier than flat grinding. No, for me, hollow grinding is, is a lot easier. I mean, I've done lots of fullers, which is basically hollow grinding, and sure. I've done a couple of hollow ground blades. I mean, on the Jeffrey, the the false edge was was hollow ground. Yes. So, to me, it's it's a little bit easier. Okay. Because once you've got the hollow established, you know, to to take it deeper and to take it to where you wanted it is a lot easier. Okay. When you get to to something like Jack does on the on the straight razors, where he's got the full hollow plus the flat section, that's complicated. Yeah, that that's yeah, but that's Jack. That's he's mm. he just he's a crazy mofo. Like why? <laughs> yeah, but that's actually, why he's so good at it. Yeah, we need to get him on on the podcast. Yes. But at this stage, it's a bit about time planning and stuff because yeah. I was away last weekend down at the coast with my parents. We went camping at a place called Brockadana, which is near Oyster Bay in mm. Eastern Cape. It's a farm dam. And we it's a went, damn farm. It's a damn farm. <laughs> <laughs> it's far dam. But anyway, uh, I murdered the bass there. Mm. Uh, no, bass were, no bass were killed. In there. No, everything was released because I just couldn't be asked to, to clean and, and gut a fish. It's like, no, man, I just catch it and throw it back again. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. Have you seen those guys who do the – it's sort of like conservation work yeah. as well as fishing. Mm -hmm. um, they like catch these really nice carp or whatever mm. fish they're trying to catch. 
And then like they see if they've got any injuries or mm. anything like that and they doctor them, they put medicine on yeah. them and they release them again. Yeah, I when, think that's very cool. When I used to do uh, specimen carp angling, we used to have the, the medicines, the antibiotics and stuff. So when you catch okay. when you catch the fish, because you're targeting the larger fish in the population. Sure. So when we catch them, we put some of that on, <clears throat> on the wound from the hook, obviously. But then you also look to see if there's any scales that are damaged or things that you can doctor them before you put them back in the water. Okay. Um, because you're trying to look after a resource so that it's available yes. to everyone. Because, I mean, if everybody went and took out all the big fish, yes, then it's a bit of a fuck-up. Well, well, this is the thing. I think it's I think it's a great way to sort of look at it. Um, and there's also guys doing doing the same for it's, – it's all types of conservation mm-hmm. work that is being done. Uh, guys that are doing it on seals that are that have got uh, guts and things yeah. hanging around their neck, and mm. they go and catch these seals, and they uh, not navy seals, obviously. Yeah, you can't catch those. Uh, <laughs> you can't catch those fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they catch yeah. these these seals, and they um, they take all this netting that's around mm. their neck or gut, or. You and know. I mean, uh, you look at the the some of the guys that do a lot of sea angling from boats. Uh, especially guys that like target sharks um, the, the idea is obviously to release them again but they they tag them some of the guys even take DNA samples for the research and things like that and I mean even some of the people that do the cage diving for the great whites um, they'll take scientists on so that when the sharks there by the boat if, if they can they'll take a DNA sample so what they have is like a it's like a spear almost, but yeah. it's got a, a, a large gauge needle on the end. Mm. So the idea is they stab that into into the back <clears> and they take a flesh and skin sample that they can then do DNA sequencing on. And they also photograph photograph off. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> they photograph the sharks um, because the, their fins and the markings on the body help them identify the sharks later on as well. Okay. Because... It's like their fins are like a fingerprint almost. So it's like a Google Google Maps for sharks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's actually quite interesting what they what they do with the shark research. And I mean, if you look at False Bay, mm. um, False Bay's got almost no great white sharks left in there. What? Mm. And now there's theories because there's some killer whales that have moved in there, and they they wipe out the sharks. But there's also theory that the um, the overfishing of the sharks for for soup fin, uh, yeah, shark fin soup, yeah, um, and they're removing the the the, the food f- from the great whites. So the great whites are pissed off because they're no longer the apex predator, because there's now the killer whales there, and um, yeah, they've moved or they're gone. Because I mean, they, in in Cape Town they've got shark spotters that sit up <clears throat> and they watch the beaches mm. because there's no shark nets in Cape Town. Um, but they watched the beaches and one, they interviewed a guy, I think it was last year. And he said, he can't remember when last he saw great white. Jeepers. And it's been a, like the last three or four years, I think that they just sort of like disappeared. That's insane. Animals like animals are extremely intelligent though. Yeah. There was, uh, I mean, they have to be, cause I mean, if they, if they fuck up, it costs them their life. Well, this is the thing. This mm-hmm. is the thing. Um, I can't remember exactly when it was when they were doing like extreme, like back in the day, mm. they were doing uh, 
they were killing whales with mm. harpoons and stuff. What? When was that, man? They still do it. Yeah, Japanese. they still do it. But I'm saying it was a big thing way back when. Yeah, because there was a lot of use for the whale. Yeah, in terms <clears> of soap <throat> and oil. And yeah, from the from the fat and, and the blubber yes. or whatever. And apparently, <clears throat> I don't know if it's an urban legend or whatever, but the rendered fat from whale makes an excellent quenching medium. I heard that. I heard that. I don't know how true it is, mm. but I heard that. Yeah, the but guys, guys don't go out and like kill a whale just to, to dry it out, please. Yeah, no, no. Don't <laughs> source it ethically. Yeah, <laughs> ethically sourced. <laughs> you talk like that because I think Norway still does a little yes. bit of, of whaling. Yes. And one of the politicians, there was this Green Priest protest about the about the whaling and stuff. So mm. one of the politicians went there and set up a hamburger stand selling whale hamburgers. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! That <laughs> must have upset a lot of people. Yeah, but, you know, if you want to be offended, that's your problem. Yeah, sure. I, but anyway, back back on the subject of when they were doing, like, they were really clapping it. I know yeah. they still do it, but they were mm. – this is back in the day when they used – they, they had the flippins. Yeah, it's yeah. probably about the 1500s. I don't know. No, no. Well, no, in, in like the 50s and 60s, 1950s. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm. But anyway, I'm talking about old ships, like wind – like sail ships. Yeah, like right? Moby Dick. Yeah. And what these whales figured out is that if they traveled into the wind, that these guys couldn't catch them. Yeah. They figured out that to get away from these guys hunting them, yeah. they would have to travel into the wind. And they communicated this to other pods because mm. the, the guys were wondering why the uh, the numbers, the whales were still there, but they the couldn't. numbers had dramatically dropped. And the, the whales communicated these this information to other pods. Yeah. It's incredible, and there's a whole bunch of uh, scientific evidence that shows that whales communicate information to other pods. Mm. There's certain um, – I don't know quite how to put it. There's uh, – I mean, they've, they've got a like a – They have a definite way of communicating. There's a definite way of communicating, but I don't know enough about the subject, but mm. they – they had one pod on one side mm. of the continent and mm. one very far away. And, and eventually these pods started communicating the same way. Mm. They had different sort of like a different language is the only mm. way I can communicate it. Yeah. Um, and they eventually <laughs> adopted the dominant pods sort of language. So it's, almost, it's almost like finding a law. Yeah. Funny galore is like a combination of the different African languages, sure. which they developed on the mines to yes. communicate. Yes, because they had a lot of immigrant workers. My granddad could speak funny galore. Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good skill to have. How many how many people still speak that? Though? They still speak it on the mines. Mm. Yeah, they still speak it on the mine because it's the easier way to communicate um, when you've got multiple home languages. Okay. Um, if you can have one sort of common language, it makes it much easier to communicate, yeah. especially when it comes down to technical things or, or things like that where um, it's a bit more difficult to describe in in some person's language, whereas they have a, if they have a standard sort of colloquial mix of language, it makes it easier for the guys to understand. Yeah. Um, I and, don't, and when, you, when you're like 
two k's under the surface of the earth, you know, in a, in a little fucking hole with lots of rock around you. You want to make sure that the guys understand not to fucking knock that support out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, it must have been such a like if you think about the jobs mm. that that people do even still today, but mm. back in the day. Like, mm. didn't understand all the health risks involved. Like, the guys who would do the napping for flintlock rifles back mm. in the day, they would, like, break off spores of, of flint, mm. and they would do that in these closed rooms, mm. but they breathe in the silica. Yeah. And and because silica. they were doing it in closed mm. rooms, they, they, they weren't getting any ventilations or anything, mm. and these guys would die early. So, uh, what is it that lung disease again? Because the miners get it as well, especially silicosis. With, silicosis, isn't it? yeah. Especially if, if there's like, and then you get asbestosis yeah. and and all of these different things from yeah. from those pollutants mm. or, or those they're not pollutants; they're natural occurring substances. They just they're just not very good for the lungs. It's like if you look at mushrooms. The smoker. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at mushrooms, imagine in the day when they didn't know what the fuck uh, mushrooms did. You know, it's like. Oh, yeah, this one killed Brian. This one made us see God for six weeks. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. <laughs> How figure that shit out? This is where Terence McKenna's uh, yeah. stoned ape theory comes in. Okay. Did you hear about that? No, I haven't heard about it. The stoned ape theory is, um, and it's it's not really a, it's like, okay, let's let's call it a theory because I can't remember what else, what the other word for it. But Terence McKenna it's had this. A theory or urban legend. It's yeah. not necessarily true, but it's yeah. just, it's, an, it's a fun discussion. Mm. He was talking about um, that these primates have been observed in nature eating mushrooms. Mm. It still happens. Mm. Um, and they, he, he had a suspicion that as as primates were developing mm. toward mankind, whether mm. you believe in evolution or not is not the mm. argument here, but that it increased brain size. Yeah. And it increased their ability to think of new ideas mm. and to think about how achieve how mm. to achieve those <laughs> new ideas. Like things like weaponry and, mm. and using tools and things and like as, that. If you look at it from a, a point of view is we, or as a species, I think, when we're still a hunter-gatherer or whatever, and before that, yeah. we learned a lot by observation. Mm. So, like, uh, the honey badger, yeah. he knows where the honey is. He follows the bee-eaters. So the people would follow the bee-eaters and the honey badgers to find out where the honey is, because honey is an awesome it's resource. A, yeah. Um, Absolutely. If you're not allergic to bees, obviously, because if you're allergic to bees, you just... You get cold. Well, those fuckers were absolutely amazing at how they would just harvest these bees because they didn't have any fucking protection or anything. I mean, if you mm. look at the African Bushman, the African bee is a fucking ferocious motherfucker. Yeah, they don't right? call it killer bees in America for nothing. Yeah, they are really ferocious. They don't give a shit. They've been yeah. known to stay and hover over bodies of water mm. while you're submerged, mm. wait for you to come up mm. and sting the fuck out of you. Mm. That's that's why the honey badger is so tough. Yeah. Because he just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a range of knives that I want to bring out. Mm. 
and I'm going to name them after different things in the African bush. Like there's, there's, there's honey badger. There's the mm. brand honey badger yeah. and, and all of these things, but it's a tough motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Clarkson, when they did the Botswana special, he said, he's not worried about the lions or anything. He's worried about the honey badger because that thing is zero fucks given. It's a tank, man. Yeah. It's a little tank. I mean, I've seen videos where a leopard's got one around the neck and that thing turns around mm. in its skin and fucks the leopard up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, mm. I feel bad for the leopard, but he mm. should know better. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's survival of the of the clever people because I mean if if you're clever enough you leave that shit alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think that's more of a, a a desperate times call for different measures. Sure, sure. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean the African bush is just brutal. It's it's yeah. it's incredibly brutal in its own way. I mean, <clears throat> it's a very harsh environment. But I mean, if you look like somewhere like Alaska, that's a very hard, brutal place. Hundred percent on a different on a different sort of level. Every yeah. I think every environment has its own type of brutality uh, to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I don't know. It's it, it, like no environment is is uh, soft. I would mm. say, but it's got its own sort of mm. level of brutality to it. Like is your the, phone going to die? I think it is going to die, but that's okay. fine because we're going to be cutting it soon. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the honeybee, mm. the uh, – sorry, the Himalayan uh, bee. Yeah. Have I spoken to you about that? No. <coughs> so the Himalayan bee is uh, where they get um, mad honey from. Okay. Have you heard about mad honey? Mad no, honey. but I'm intrigued. Okay. So mad honey is uh, in the regions of Turkey. Um, they <laughs> It's a fucking crazy story, but it's all fucking true. <laughs> um, the Himalayan What's bee. What's happening? Ooh, guys? sorry about that. Yes, welcome back. Sorry, we'll have to just cut that. But mm. the uh, the Himalayan bee um, pollinates a flower called the Rhododendron ponticum. Okay. Okay. And this flower has a psychoactive chemical compound in it. Okay. That doesn't affect the bees. Yeah, because they've obviously built up an immunity to it. Or something to, to mm. that effect. But uh, it actually... it Like for humans, if you ingest this honey, they say more than... I don't know if it's a tablespoon or a teaspoon. I think it's a teaspoon. They say more than a teaspoon of the stuff is is, or a teaspoon of the stuff is more than enough for a full grown man. Yo, okay. And you feel psychoactive effects. It's been used in warfare by the Persians against the Romans twice. Okay, so that's almost like the the asterisk and obelix, the magic potion. <laughs> It, yeah, I mean, it could be, but I mean, it's, I don't know, it's it's a very, very interesting thing because the first time I heard about it was uh, uh, on Sherlock Holmes, okay, the movie, and I thought to myself, is this stuff real? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> the whole scene there, he's like, he's like, what have you done to Gladstone now? He's like, mm-hmm. it's known as mad honey disease. <laughs> wow. But the name for it uh, mm. is Delibeo, which means red honey. Red honey, okay. Yeah. 
and it's it's extremely psychoactive and apparently it can cause death okay um and That's under, interesting but uh on bees i mean it's actually a dying resource at the moment bees are uh, even the farmers of, of bee farmers, they, they're saying that they are they are battling to keep their bees alive, and it's going to be a serious fucking problem because if you don't have bees to pollinate shit, you ain't growing nothing. Well, this is the thing. There's there's definitely other insects that pollinate, but I think bees are the most efficient. Uh, yeah, they they do a lot of the work, especially since you, you can commercialize it or you can farm them. Yes, I mean, there's I mean, I knew a guy who was a bee farmer. Um, and he used to take his bees to different farms to at different times of year to pollinate, like citrus or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, the guys that do the, the pollination, it's actually quite hard on the hive um, because they're not getting, they're trying to pollinate as much as possible, but they're not getting the, the as much yield on the honey. Mm. <clears throat> so the bees are doing their job, but it comes at a cost. Yes. And I mean, one of the things that they're having a problem with, I think it's in South Africa and a lot of places, is, um, what is it fucking called now? It's colony collapse or, or where the whole colony just fucking dies. Mm. So I don't know if it's to do with stress <clears throat> on the queen that she stops laying eggs or something or, or what. Well, don't they also have to leave enough honey for the bees to survive when they harvest? Yeah, that, that's uh, most of the guys do that. But even still, I'm going to ask Jamie to Google this shit. It's it's very sad that you know, like bees provide such a an amazing resource for us. And they do such incredible work for um, for the environment as well, keeping plants pollinized. Po- mm. Colony collapse disorder is what it's called. Okay, colony collapse disorder. That's crazy. It is crazy. And bees also <coughs> get uh, this disease that 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 shrivels their wings as well. Okay. There's there's some sort of disease that I that I read about that mm. they I can't remember the name of the disease, but. They, it shrivels their wings. Okay. And then they can't fly anymore. Yeah, I know in, in South Africa we have the African honeybee, but then also in the Western Cape they have a different bee completely. Okay. It's a, or it's a Cape honeybee or something. But they really restrict the movement of beehives around the Western Cape because they don't want the African honeybee to get in there because it'll kill the, the Cape honeybee. Yes. I mean, that's what it's done in America. It was, I think they originally took African honeybees over to South America. And because they are so fucking aggressive, they just take they kill off, they kill off the other hearts, mm. the, the other indigenous bees. Well, this is the problem with introducing something that you haven't, I mean, I'm, I don't know. There's been so many things that have been introduced to other countries mm. that like are just dis- yeah, it's just destructive to mm. the environment. Mm. And it's like you you how do you control that? Mm. Especially with bees and things like yeah. that. How do you control that? Yeah, I think a lot of it came in the, in the early days of colonization, where <clears throat> everybody thought it was a fucking great idea to take shit from home to these new places. And then it just started fucking shit up. 
I mean, you look at, at Australia, they have a huge problem with um, rabbits. Yeah. Because yeah. rabbits were never there before. Yes. Um, but yeah. It's, it's, it's a crazy topic. Mm. Um, and I mean, in some, some remote, I think it's the islands down near Antarctica where they've got those research stations, mm. St. Helena and Tristan de Cunha, that they had a problem with feral cats. Yes, yes, brought in by the sailors, wasn't it? Yeah, they came in on the boats. Yeah. And then the problem is the, the bird life suffers because mm. they're not used to having a predator there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will get used to it eventually, but it also still is a big problem. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to take a quick coffee break. Yes. And we'll be back with some more TNT discussions, Tim and Trent. Yeah, yeah. we'll see where it leads to, but coffee is important. Coffee is life. Coffee is a drug, mind you. Yeah. So all you guys thinking that you don't do drugs out there, Mm. guess what? Throw your cup of coffee away if you don't want to be doing drugs. Yeah, don't drink alcohol because that's one of the worst drugs. Sure. Yeah. I'm still drinking though. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, we're, you, we're not judging. We just answer, like, don't judge if you don't want to be judged. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so let's pause it here. And we're back. We're back with caffeine. 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 Food for the soul. Drug for the soul. Drug for the soul, yeah. The spirit molecule. No, it's not. <laughs> What's it the good. spirit? The spirit molecule is is 5-methoxy, isn't it? I have no DMT 5-methoxy? I don't know. I think they call it the, the spirit mo- molecule. One is visually stimulating and the other one is like a white white light type of thing. Like there's no... Okay. Like that's what Joe Rogan was talking about. He was okay. saying that there's this... There's this feeling of, and he says that's where he thinks people get this um, thing about don't go into the light kind of thing. Yeah. Is that it's this, um, I think it's 5-MeO DMT. That's the synthesized DMT. That's the synthesized DMT. Yeah. Okay. And then 5-methoxy is the one they find in ayahuasca and the, the toad. I don't want to smoke toad venom. That just sounds very dodgy. <laughs> it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Well, Apparently, you go in three big pulls mm-hmm. and you just go into yeah. orbit. Well, uh, Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, mm. warns heavily against, uh, he warns against unearned knowledge. Which can be gained from psychedelics. He says it's That's you've got to be very, very sure that you want to go down that path. Don't you think that's also like? Don't you think your high is also dictated to where your headspace is at that mm. present time and the mm. psychological issues that you faced in the past? Yeah, that's the, the environment in which you're in. Uh, the I think plays a huge role on your trip. Mm. Um, I mean, I know. One of one of my friends, Aubrey, who now works for Ferrari, the fucker. Um, he, he used to have a heavy metal band, and the lead singer uh, used to like acid or drugs. Mm. And he rocked up at Aubrey's house one day, on, high on acid, and Aubrey said, "Watch out for the landmines," <laughs> meaning watch out for the dog shit. Yeah. And he froze because he was scared. Now there's he's surrounded by fucking landmines. Whoa. 
Aubrey had to go out into the yard, pick him up, and carry him into the house. What? Yeah, things not to say to people when they are on Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jeepers. Well, we were talking about <clears throat> earlier just getting back to weed and like how chemical compounds mm. in, interact with the brain. It's like, it's fascinating. Mm. It's fascinating. And I think that the amount we know, or the amount we don't know, like exponentially outnumbers this, the amount of stuff we do know. Well, this this is this is the thing. And and uh, Joe Rogan was interviewing a guy the other day who's very well versed on mushrooms. He was wearing a mushroom hat from the amadou fungus, which I know quite well from. What is that guy's name? From Bushcraft, because it's an ember extender. Yeah, what is that guy's? I can't remember his name. But there's a few guys. There's one guy, not Terrence McKenna, but another guy I know that is like a big fundi on fungi. Yeah. Say that twice, fast. He, yeah. <laughs> fundi on fungi. <laughs> but, yeah, he was talking about all sorts of things, and he was, and he was talking about, because Joe was saying, why do you think people are so afraid of mushrooms? And he was saying that the thing with mushrooms is that they can appear one day after a rain or whatever. Yeah. And then in like, and they can appear literally in a few hours. Yeah. And then just die like that. Yeah. And he's like, it's so, it, it, it's not long enough for you to develop a sort of intimate relationship with yeah. a lot of fungi. Yeah. I'm no pro on what mm. fungus is all about and so mm. on and so forth. But he's like, some of them can give you a, an amazing spiritual journey yeah. and give you knowledge. Others can heal you. Mm. Others can kill you. Yeah. You know? So thing the, the whole point of this discussion is that people are always going to be afraid of what they don't know. Mm. So it's very easy for people to just say, well, it's wrong um, to use these things and it's wrong to use uh, – any sort of narcotic or yeah. chemical compound that gives you a high mm. because they don't fully understand it. So it's easier mm. for them just to say, well, it's wrong. And it's fine if you don't want to do it. Yeah. That's fine. That, and I think that for me personally, I mean, I suffer with depression and anxiety. But, uh, you know, when they, when they started the war on drugs and, you know, they just – started researching LSD and psilocybin um, and then they outright banned it. And so we've lost 50 odd years of research on the benefits that that <clears throat> could be had from, from psychedelics. Yeah. Um, and there's been some new research on, you've talked about it before on the effects of psilocybin on, on depression mm -hmm. where a single trip can sort of almost cure you from depression. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it. <clears throat> to me, it comes down to like, you know, the experience you ca could get from from a psychedelic, almost helps you in your your search for meaning. And yes. I think a lot of depression is a loss of a loss of meaning or purpose. Sure, I don't know because I don't have depression. Uh, there's times where I felt extremely sad, but that's a different that's the, a different thing entirely. The, the thing is, you know, with the current methods or diagnosis for depression, there's like so many people are diagnosed with depression where actually they're just sad. I mean, if you think about someone who's lost a life partner, um, 
obviously they're going to be fucking sad, mm. but like the checklist uh, for depression automatically says that they're, they're depressed. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know if that's a fair way of looking at it because mm. I think it, I think for sure it can send you into a depression. Into for depression, sure. yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how to treat that. But I mean, you've got to be very careful with. I think even how you talk to doctors, like mm. you don't want to imply that you've got depression. Mm. Like if you have. Then sure, then get the medication that you need for it, and and try and deal it's with it just, that way. It's not just the medication; it's the therapy as well. It's the therapy, and for and sure. trying to get down to, you know, what is the root cause, or how can how can you manage the situation better? Yeah, because I mean, there's times where I just don't get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. Mm. It's like what the fuck. But there's other times where I get up at like five o'clock in the morning and go run fucking eight k's, like the fuck's wrong with you <laughs> yeah and and the thing about that is you you feel good about yourself after you've worked out yeah and the thing you, is you it, feel like you've gained some momentum mm. you've done something meaningful mm. for the day uh, exercises also uh releases endorphins in the brain which is a chemical compound I mean, that help, helps you be happy yeah when i was in hospital one of the things you, you're supposed to do is every morning they have like a little gym session so it's you know, exercise ball, exercise mat, you know, basic little bit of cardio, a bit of, you know, strength exercise and stuff. But that boosts your whole mood for the whole day. Yeah. I mean, if you lie in bed and you only get out of bed at 12 o'clock, you, you feel, feel like shit. You feel shit about it. And yourself. then that arsehole in your head is on, on at you about wasting half the fucking day. Yes. But, I mean, if you get up earlier and you do a bit of exercise, you've at least achieved something so it's easier to shut up that arsehole. Well, well, that's the thing. If you're achieving something and you gain that sort of momentum and yeah. you keep gaining that, mm. that voice gets quieter, I mm. think, because it's uh, like you can say to it, well, fuck you, I've done yeah. something. Yeah. I've done something today, you know. And um, It may be something insignificant like going for a run or even just making your fucking bed. Mm. Um but having having achieved one small win means you can achieve the next small win. And every small win, now even if you fail at something along the way, you've mm. got all that momentum built up. It's like, ah, oh, fucked up this grind. It's, it's fine. I can carry on with something mm. else. Mm. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. You have to you have to sort sort of say, well, that happened, okay, mm. but I'm not going to let that put my whole day down. Yeah. And I know for me it's very difficult for do, to do that. Mm. Um, if I fuck something up, like mm. like a grind or something, mm. then I'm like, ah, well, fuck it, everything's fucked now, mm. you know. And um, let's come back to that that comment because, mm. I, but carry on. I must just remember it. Okay. No, well, I'm just saying that, you know, we have to be very careful about how we look at things because it's so easy to just. Like you start having a good day mm. and everything's going well, and then one thing, mm. one thing can go wrong, and then you're like, ah, well, you know what, fuck it, that went wrong last week, and this is why that happened, and like it goes back to that whole live feed that I did the other day on, on mm. Facebook, and I don't Which I missed to... because I w I didn't have Wi-Fi signals out of the day. Oh shucks! Yeah, you can go on my page and check it out. <clears throat> yeah, but that that everything's fucked is actually a book title that I want to get. 
saying everything's fucked up. Okay. It's written by Mark Manson. He he became popular with his first book, um, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay. That was one of the podcasts I was listening to with Rich Roll. Okay. Um, we talked about his new book. Okay. And it's actually fascinating um, some of the insight he's got because it relates a lot to, to some of the stuff that Johan Hari did on, on – on his the thing about depression, what we know about depression is all wrong. Or what we think we know about it is all wrong. Okay. So, like, treatment for depression at the moment is antidepressants mm. and cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Which helps. Okay. Don't get me wrong. It helps. Mm. But it's like, if you the way he compared it is, you know, one of the biggest killers is accidents on the road. Sure. So one of the th they've done many things to try and reduce it. So you have driver's tests, you have eye tests, you have safety belts, you have airbags, you have speed limits, you have rules of the road. Sure. Everything to try and prevent the death on the road. But sure. if you look at depression, they've got antidepressants and cognitive behavioral therapy and some other forms of therapy. But it doesn't address all the issues as much as it could yeah so a lot of the the research he did because he's not a scientist and he says it um, he interviewed a lot of the top scientists or psychologists and psychiatrists and things like that and what he found is that you know the sense of community that we've lost uh, with the way we've developed mm. whereas we don't even you don't even know what your neighbor's name is Sure. So you lost that. I mean, we grew up as as people in a tribe. Mm. So if you lose that tribe, mm. you lose a big part of your your purpose or your meaning. That that's the thing as well. And you get different things from different people in your mm. community. Yeah. Or like if you're looking for fun or wisdom or uh, advice or whatever it is, you got different friends that mm. you'll look to for different yeah. things that you need. Yeah. And, and that helps you not feel so alone. Mm. And the thing is, uh, one, of the st one of the studies that was done is that they looked at a whole lot of different countries and they said to people who were depressed, whatever, just try be, go out and try and make yourself more happy. And, I watched this. Yes. Okay, so the people in America and England – they didn't get happier because they tried to do things for themselves. Whereas in places like Japan and China and Russia, where mm. it's a different culture, culture yeah. they went out and did stuff to help other people and they felt happier. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's a, it's, it's, a, interesting. it's a bit of a mind fuck. It's interesting because mm. I mean, even the Bible says um, mm. that there's more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. There and is. I, and I think that's very, very true. Mm. Uh, so once again, to the people who are non-religious, I think, and I'm not saying that I am, I'm not mm. saying that I'm not, I'm just saying that there's definitely things that we can gain from a wise book. Yeah, for sure. I think it wouldn't have been around this long if there wasn't some truth to it. And there's been many efforts to destroy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's not get into that. Yeah. Because are we going to yeah. go down, we're gonna deep go deep down a deep rabbit hole on that one? Um, yeah. 
But ra- rabbits are invasive species in Australia. We and know and you get bit by the rabbits sometimes. Yeah. And they can have rabies. Yeah. And they're Stop vicious animals. Foaming at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, talking about rabbits, I post a meme of this rabbit with a, obviously a cloth over someone's mouth and it says, I'm the ether bunny. Ether bunny. <laughs> You get some funny shit on the internet. I'll tell you what. You also get some ridiculous shit on the internet. Yeah. Um, on, on the ridiculous mm. shit, I watched a video last night. Mm. It's about some abandoned hut in the middle of some forest in America or mm. whatever. But there was this guy who started a rumor that there was this uh, group of scientists that uh, – were looking at what's it chaos theory and then there was this some religious group that were there in the mountains and they developed this egg that they could travel to alternate dimensions and then they all disappeared and he started this whole room and it started in the 80s so before the internet he started by putting these flyers out and then eventually when the internet came around and he put on the internet it gained this momentum that you've got all these conspiracy theorists coming in and they want to go to this place to look for the egg or, oh my word and he, he, he had people camping out on his fucking front lawn these conspiracy theorists because they figured out he was the guy who knew about this thing and it, even he put a, a published a letter said this is all a hoax I made this all up then it made them even more <laughs> wanting to oh my Word. A guy had to be escorted out of his house by gunpoint by the police. What? <laughs> yeah, because he started a fucking hoax. Well, well, this is the thing, is that rumors mm. and conspiracies are can be dangerous. They can be dangerous, but I think some of the stuff, like if you look in, in America's history, you know, because they have a lot of top secret research and shit like that. Uh, sure. It was an easy way for them to label people as conspiracy theorists to dismiss the idea. Okay. Although there may have been truth behind the thing, um, but it gets dismissed. Oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. Okay. So it's like, oh, no, it's, it's fake news type shit. Yeah. Um, and I think that gets abused a lot. Yeah, for sure. Mm. But there are definitely legit conspiracy theorists out mm. there, for sure. Alex um, Jones. Alex Jones. <laughs> that I, <laughs> I swear, uh, what the... F- dude, that guy is yeah. funny to watch. Yeah. He's very entertaining. He's very entertaining He to watch. believes what he says so much that it almost sells. That it almost sells and it's yeah. compelling to listen to. Look, some of the stuff he's, he's talked about has turned out to be true. Mm-hmm. But then other things, like where his major fuck-up was um, the Sandy Hooks school shooting, where he said it was fake. And that caused him to – he lost his YouTube channel, uh, all sorts of things like that. They shut him down, basically. You've got to be so careful what you think and what you say. Yeah, and look, I think it – unfortunately, you know, the type of guy he is – He's into so much shit that he's bound to get some stuff wrong. Sure. But now because he's got some things wrong, they it's the thing we talked about it at Grant, at Homina. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So, yes. I forget the fucking term. I put it on our group. Yeah. But uh, now because he's made one mistake, you sort of dismiss him. 
Yeah. And that's, that, that's... You don't take him seriously because of one thing. Yeah. Joe Rogan, they were actually talking about it with this whole cancel culture uh, that's going around now with all the woke people and getting people... Cancel culture. Yeah. Like people getting... Like entertainers, comedians just getting canceled because they made one fuck up or they said something that's controversial. But you, how do you even avoid that? You can't. If and I this, mean, in the, the past... This, if I can just stop you there. Mm. Like, this is the thing. When you become a, a huge image mm. for people mm. and you've got a huge audience of people listening to you, mm. it's not just now you say something and somebody calls you out on it. And mm. an everyday person mm. would just be like, oh, well, I was wrong, whatever. Mm. No consequences, maybe, yeah. depending on the situation. But like, okay, I was wrong. Done. Finished. No. Yeah, I'm sorry. I done. was wrong. But now you've got this big figure who mm. says something. Mm. Maybe somebody acts on it, mm. whatever the case may be, mm. or uh, calls them out on it, and then the YouTube channel gets shut down and everything. So mm. it's like, how do you even avoid that? Yeah, it's very difficult to avoid. Um, but I mean, apparently there's some... Because you're human. You're going to make fuck-ups. There was some chick, I think... Sorry, you mustn't use chick. Some woman who wrote for Vogue or something... She got cancelled because of a tweet she made when she was fucking 17. Oh, my God. When you know fuck all. (laughs) That's ridiculous. It is. But let's get on to some other shit. I mean, we don't want to talk about negative stuff all the time. Well, let's talk about drugs. Drugs are bad, okay? Not. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, if you... just, Just for the record, I think the majority of drug abuse is from prescribed medication. Yeah. I mean, when I was in hospital, I met a girl. She was addicted to Stolnox, sleeping tablets, mm. where she'd take 10 to 15 at night, and she'd take 10 to 15 the next morning when she woke up. What? She was blowing six grand, so that's like $500 a month on fucking sleeping pills, because she had to get it legally now. Oh, my word. So, it's not just... How do you even function? That she functioned, but not very well. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, people say the illegal drugs are the big problem, but you know, my opinion is that drugs are not the problem. It's this, there's underlying issues, psychological and social issues that cause people to resort to drugs. And it's also people not being entirely informed on how to use drugs responsibly. Yeah. There's that, that doctor that was on Joe Rogan's podcast um, who does drugs, but he's a, he's a, he's a professor at one of the universities or whatever. Mm. But he says the problems are not the drugs. And the problem is that the people don't know. So when it's an illegal trade, um, then you you don't know the quality of mm. the stuff you're getting. I mean, if you go to fucking Tops and you buy yourself a bottle of brandy, there's a pretty much good chance it's fucking brandy. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's not, someone's going to get into shit, but legally uh, going to get into shit. Yes. And, you know, if you go into the bottle store and you take it and you run out. And they can lose their, their, their license. Their no, but if license. you go and steal alcohol, take it out, they can call the police and arrest you. Yes. So yes. there's consequences. Yes. yes. And people know, <clears throat> okay, if I have so much 
alcohol, this is how you use alcohol. Mm. So you, if it's brandy, you mix it with Coke or you mix it with mm. damn water if you're from back there. <laughs> so water more like. But the problem with illegal drugs is you don't know what you're getting. Mm. So I think there's some places in Europe where you can actually go and have your drugs tested anonymously. What? Because they have huge problems. Portugal's legalized all drugs. That's crazy. Because they had such a huge problem and it's mm. reduced the, the, the addicts by a huge amount because now they're no, no longer social outcasts. Mm. Mm. Well, I think that's a, that's a big part of the problem. I is mean, that you, you become, you become a social outcast. Mm. I sure. mean, if you look, uh, what I've done in therapy is you've got these two circles. Mm. Okay. One is emotion and one is rational brain. Mm. Okay. Now where they overlap in the middle is where you're supposed to be. So mm. you've got some emotions, you've got some rational. Sure. Now what happens is if you become too rational, you resort to means that allow you to feel more. So a lot of the times it happens, you resort to drugs to feel emotion. Mm. And if you go too far to the left to too much emotion, then you resort to drugs, so you feel nothing. Um, so it's strange. You're on two opposite poles, <clears> but they <throat> resort to the same method to get to the other side. Okay. And the problem is you never get to the middle where you should be, where you yes. have emotion and rational. Yeah. Yeah. So like with me, I get too rational, mm. uh, which is my problem. I don't really get too emotional, although now with the change of medication, I've noticed I feel more emotions, whereas before I was more numb. Mm. So, like, if I'm driving in traffic and someone cuts me off, it's like, so what? Mm. Now it's like some choice language comes out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open your eyes, you dumb. <laughs> but so it's it's, it's like, just something I interestingly noticed in the last couple of weeks. Well, isn't this the thing? I mean, everything is just – about it's such a simple thing to say, mm. but it's so difficult to achieve. Everything is just about balance. It's yeah. even that discussion that we were having earlier about um, ego. We, mm. I was saying to you that we talk about ego so mm. negatively a lot of the time, mm. and I know I've, I've been guilty of this as well. But you have to have a level of ego mm. to be confident enough to think that you can achieve what it is that you're looking to achieve. Yeah, there has to be a healthy balance because yes. if you're too egotistical, mm. if you're way to one extreme, then you're an asshole. Mm. And if you're too humble, you never feel good enough yes. to actually push yourself yes. to achieve better things. Yes. And you're always like, I mean, I look at the dagger and it's like, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, but I'm still just like, if you practice enough, you get lucky. So I'm a bit more towards the too humble side. So you you then you also start to suffer the imposter syndrome. It's like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Someone's going to find out soon enough. Yeah, well, this is the thing. If you if you too like if you're too egotistical, you're there's a couple of there's a couple of things that can happen in my <clears> opinion, <throat> and I might be overlooking some of them. But you become. You become too like you. You're so egotistical that you're not willing to listen, mm. which means that you're not learning. Mm. 
and nobody is willing to teach you as a result of that because yeah. you're just not willing to learn. Mm. And, and you get viewed as a dick. Mm. Simple as that. If you're too humble, nobody takes you seriously. Mm. Nobody looks at you as having any form of intelligence. And you get walked over. And you get walked over. And there's all sorts of other things that come along with both of those sides of the fence. So you have to be humble enough to listen, mm. smart enough to learn, but you have to have some sort of ego in between mm. that, that's kept in check. Mm. And that's the most important thing is to try and keep your ego in check. It's and like, how do you do that? It's, it's like what Grant is saying is when you start off with something, you are consciously incompetent. Mm. And then as you develop, you become consciously competent. So you you have to think about what you're doing. Yes. And then later on, when you're much more advanced, you become unconsciously, unconsciously competent. competent. Yeah. Where some people are unconsciously incompetent. <laughs> but do you, don't you think that also extends into, like, like when you're a child, you're trying to push boundaries, you're trying to figure out who you mm. are, you mm. know, you, you're trying to figure out what's mm. right, what's wrong, mm. what you don't like, what you do like, all mm. of these things. But as you get older, you start thinking that you know what you like, that you know what you don't like, mm. that you know all of these different things. Mm. But you're not checking in with yourself. Mm. You're not checking in. Why do I believe this way? Why do I think yeah, this way? Why do you, you don't question your beliefs. And I think as you get older, then, you know, you start to question your beliefs. I mean, I'm 45 now. But but do you? This is this is the thing. I'm only you, 45 because my daughter said, oh, it's only two years or three years until I have my 50th. Fuck off. I'm only 45. It's five years. <laughs> <laughs> don't age me before my time. But but this is the thing. You get some people mm. who do mm. who do question themselves, and they they're very much aware of themselves, mm. and that's that's the key: mm. being aware and being aware of your own bullshit. Because mm. we tell ourselves things to make ourselves feel better. That's a fact. Or you tell ourselves or things to vice feel versa. Shit. Yes. Or vice so versa. there's a there's a balance between questioning your beliefs and doubting your beliefs. So it's like you can go too far to the one side or too far. So either you don't question it or you question it too much. Yes. So it's so finding that balance. Yeah, you don't want to be wishy-washy, mm. but you also want to be careful. Mm. And and it's such a difficult thing to try. As as I'm talking about mm. this, I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking about myself and I'm like, <laughs> this is true in my case. Yeah. Because I'm I'm definitely I try to be as humble as I can mm. regarding my work, regarding criticism, mm. regarding what I know I don't know. Mm. Um and but things that I do know I'm a little bit more confident about. Mm. Um but I mean this is the thing, you you never quite get to a point where you know everything. You no. can't ever get to that point because mm. our time here on this planet is mm. finite. Mm. You can never know everything. Mm. So why should you be, why should you be so egotistical about every opinion? Like you don't have to have a formal opinion on everything. Mm. And the thing is, your opinion is not written in stone, because as you learn more, you could change your opinion. Yes, and there's nothing wrong in changing your opinion, mm. as long as it's based on a lot of thought mm. and information mm. and 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 here's the other thing is that some things that we believe 
cannot be proven. Mm. Just simply can't. Well, they can't be proven in terms of science. So that's what, like Grant was speaking, you either have dogma or you have uh, belief. Yeah. And then so, in between the two is philosophy. Is philosophy, yeah. yeah. So some things can be proven by science. Mm. Although this science has changed over the years. So as we've developed technology and it's like we, when I told you about, we thought the atom was the smallest. Mm. And then the atoms actually made up of particles. Yes. Which are either particles or waves, depending on how you look at them. So mm. it becomes very, very fucking confusing. Mm. <clears throat> but then if you look at like the belief in a, in a higher being or a religion, there's not really much science to back it. Yeah. So it's, it's trying to find, where am I going with this now? Oh, one of the theory or one of the ways of possibly proving a belief is by logic. Yes. But not by science. Sure. So everybody's made up of DNA. Mm -hmm. Everything's made of DNA. Yeah. Okay. Now DNA is the encyclopedia on how to build that specific thing. Or you or you, whatever it is. You or yeah. a tree or yeah. whatever. Yes. So if that's an encyclopedia, it had to get – something had to put the knowledge into it. Yes. So there must be intelligent design behind it. Well, that that I agree with 100%. I find it very difficult to believe that – that we just evolved and just things just – it mm. might have been a process of mm. creation, mm. but I think that there was definitely some sort of intelligent design, whether you want to say that's God or whether mm. you want to say that's an eternal consciousness or mm. whatever. But what – like that term mm. there, eternal consciousness, what is that? Mm. How do you even – understand what an it, eternal consciousness it, is it, like if you want to put that in terms of god mm -hmm. then like that's the only way we humans can sort of understand it like that there's a, there's this eternal being who is all powerful all loving all knowing mm -hmm. all everything mm -hmm. and knows how to do shit it's it, it comes to like frame of reference so like if you look in, in say, our vis visible spectrum, what we can see with our own eyes, it's limited. If you go now with a microscope, you can look into more detail. It's the same as you look with a telescope into the sky. You can see more detail in the sky. Sure. But we have a, what we know is we have a universe, mm -hmm. which some people think is expanding, which mm -hmm. was created by a Big Bang. Mm -hmm. But what's around the universe? It can't just be what we define as what in science is it's how to say it it's it's got a place it's got a size and it's got a time attached mm. to it mm. so <clears throat> you can define where it is but in order for there to be a universe or a big bang where did the energy or the material come from well that's the thing that's it's the like, thing like you <laughs> It's it's almost like mm. like language is mm. limited to mm. try and explain this concept. Mm. Like we just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't. There, there's things we that mm. other people know that are mm. much more intelligent than what I am and much mm. more informed than you and I. Mm. But I mean, language is 
it's it's like the Taoist saying is like if you can define it in language, it's not the whole thing. Yeah, because you can never describe describe this coffee cup. I mean, to what level of detail do you want to go? That's the thing. It's it's because, made of ceramic. Yeah. Okay. It's black. It's yeah. got a white little yeah. ring around it. It's yeah. got a little handle, yeah. and it's a container. Yeah. But but there's this, more to that. There's more to it. There's, there's, there's things in the periodic table that are in that, I should imagine. Yeah. Right? There's but, atoms. There's subatomic particles. Yeah. And all of those things. And in, 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 if you go down to the smallest detail, it's either a wave function or it's a particle. Or it's a combination of the two. So it's a probability function. And then when you drop it, it's just a broken cup. Yes. But then there's different ways of doing it. <laughs> so like... It, Talking about a broken ceramic, yeah. you know, in sort of Western culture, you would try and repair it to make it look as if it's not broken. Whereas in the Eastern culture, Japanese, they will, they will, the they will uh, fix it so it makes where it broke. Highlight it. Highlight it. So yes. they'll do like gold. Or, gold, or, yeah. Which I think mm. is such a beautiful way of doing it because mm. like when people say that they're broken, mm. I don't like that term, but after like mm. just having this discussion now, it's mm. it's like it depends how you fix yourself. Mm. Like if you can fix yourself with highlights of gold along the brake mm -hmm. lines, mm. isn't that beautiful? It is. Isn't that more valuable? Mm. It is. We're and going I, down a different discussion now, but I mean. But I think it, it, it's like I say, everybody is broken in some way. You can't get to any age in life without suffering some damage. Sure. So it's how you deal with it and how you repair it. So it's like some people, if you try and hide it, it's going to eat you up alive. Yeah. Um, or you can try and highlight it, but then also that it's too much, too extremes. You don't want to yeah. get too much the other way. Cause otherwise some people say, I don't want to be around that guy. He's fucking crazy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, it's a very interesting thought process is like, how do you repair that damage? And then what do you want to make it highlighted or do you want to hide it because you're shamed by it? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Oh. I wish I was high. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, because there's definitely things that I try to try and hide about myself. Mm. I I know that I'm full of shit, mm. and I know that I I try to say things in a in a more uh, sort of charming way mm. to try and make people excited to listen mm. to me, and and I try to convey things in a more fancy way. Mm. Use. Uh, and I mean, we were talking mm. about this with Grant the other mm. day on, on episode 14. No, uh, no 13. 13, yeah. 13, yeah. Uh, we were talking to Grant about how how people try to uh, do things to make themselves feel a little bit more uh, it's about, capable in the in the. It's in the about situation. putting on masks. Yeah. So what what image do you want to portray? And, I mean, Joe was speaking to – fuck, I can't remember. But he was saying yeah, – it's going to bother me. But he was saying, you know, 
depending on who you're around, de- dictates your behavior. Yes. So, like, if you're around someone who is very on edge or is very sensitive, you're going to tone down your your delivery of whatever you're doing. Yes, yes. To match it, so, you, so that the, the situation remains comfortable for all parties. Yes. Well, depending on the type of person you are. Yeah. <clears throat> you may be one of those people who try and aggravate the situation for yeah. kicks. Yeah. Um, mm. There's people out there who do that. Mm. I'm definitely not one of those people. If somebody's being ridiculous, I'll mm. I'll aggravate the situation to a point mm. to make them kind of mm. figure out how ridiculous they're being. Yeah. But, yeah, do, do you think that if you're always adjusting who you are depending mm. on the people that you're with, do you think that says something about the strength of your character? Well, it depends on how you do it. So if you're changing who you are entirely entirely that for me is a problem it's but weakness if, yeah it's a weakness so you're trying to be please everybody mm. but if you are more toning yourself down in order to make people more comfortable around you yes. so you're not directly changing who you are mm. it's like putting a, a light shade on a light so some people want bright light other people need a little bit duller light yeah that makes sense and then epileptics just don't want strobing lights yeah, yeah. that was interesting because <laughs> talk about that when i was in hospital i had the the colored red locks the, yeah. the eeg yeah and now when they set it all up they program and they've got like a fucking handbag you've got to carry around with a brain box but mm. um you have to breathe a certain way so they can check like calibrate the system and then you close your eyes, and then they put a strobe light in front of your eyes, and they flash it. Yeah. So they can pick up. They've got certain signals that they do, so they can sort of calibrate the machine to what your brain is putting out. Okay. But even though your eyes are closed, you can still see that flash. Yes, yes. Um, and there's another guy who was on... Joe's podcast, I think, and on Lex Friedman's podcast. He's a neuroscientist okay. who specializes in sight. Okay. So your retina is actually part of your brain. Whoa. Okay. But he says the change in light in the morning and in the evening is critical to your circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm? Yeah, the sleep patterns. Okay. Right? He says even blind people can see the change in light or can perceive their brain can pick up the change in light at sunrise and sunset. Wow. That keeps their body in that rhythm. It's like if you go and live in a cave where there's no change in light, your body will lose its natural clock. You won't know whether it's day or night after a while Mm -hmm. because you're not getting exposed to that change in light. And you'll get a massive DMT trip. I don't know, eh? It could it could be interesting, you know. There was that video on keeping yourself in the dark that mm-hmm. you sent me. Oh, it's like for a, three days, like no lights. Oh, it could be, and like, it induces some sort of a DMT-like trip. 
It's like the the um, isolation tank that Joe Rogan has. Yes, yes. So it's completely dark. You're you're in a water. With, I think it's got Epsom salts in or something. So you're neutrally buoyant. So you're like floating there. So you don't have a perception of gravity, and because you're still, you've got no perception of motion. Um, and it's completely dark, so you've got no perception on time or anything like that. It can really fuck with your brain. That's crazy. But it, it can also, depending on how you manage it or whatever, it can also, you know, open up different neural pathways to thinking. Jeepers. Am I cooking your brain? It's it's it, it's very like I'm I, I'm very aware of what you're saying, but I'm mm. trying to. I don't have much to even say back to that because I'm I'm like dumbstruck. I'm dumbstruck. And you also. It, Sorry. Sorry, ne? Sorry, ne? But but going back to what you were saying, the retina is part of the brain. Yeah, it's part of the brain that's squeezed out. Okay, but now. Don't you think that's interesting in in terms of like that saying when people say, well, it depends on how you look at it. Okay. Okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm. So now we all know we can we can look at something and perceive it to be something. Yeah. But if you're not informed on on what that something is or what that object mm. is, you don't know what it is. Yeah. It's right. Like, but for for me, that's a, that's a coffee mug. Yeah. But for you, it could be a champagne glass. Well, because because maybe that's your your background or your way of thinking is that your your culture says that's a champagne. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, like mm. a let's think like a what is that uh, like a wok is yeah. is a frying pan. Yeah. But we say it's a frying pan. Yeah. But somebody who's informed on what a, I think it's called a wok, mm. on what a wok actually is, mm. then it's a flippin' wok. Yeah. Right? It's the same Don't as, call it a frying pan kind yeah, of thing. It's a wok. Or, like, if you look in, because one of the things I've been looking at doing is making a fucking carbon steel ish. Ish, like it did. Um, a carbon steel skillet. Okay. Um, and the reason I want to make one is because it looks interesting, but. Mm. In most professional kitchens, the skillets or frying pans yes. are carbon steel because they, once they're seasoned, they're non-stick. Yes. They're lighter than cast iron. Yeah. They're easier to maintain mm. because you just like deglaze and wipe it. Yeah. Um, and because it's non-stick, there's no harmful chemicals going in like from Teflon coating or shit like that. And it's lighter than cast iron. Its heat distribution is better than cast iron. And like stainless steel, stuff burns to stainless steel. Okay. Because you can't really season it. Interesting. Getting back to that discussion. How did we get there? How did how do you look at things is what mm. we were talking about. Yeah. That's like, it. So we were talking about the retina, did you say? I think it's the retina. It's, yeah, it's the retina is, is part of your brain. Okay. If that's true, then it then it makes like it 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 makes me think of that as i say that saying about <clears throat> how you look at things mm. and i guess the whole point of that is like you can change your perception of things with more information or with, your with better light or your mm. perspective or mm. 
they're getting closer to things. So, like, let's say, for example, you is sad about something, mm. whatever it may be, mm. uh, that you fucked up a knife. Yeah. Right? Not now, you can look at a lot of negatives regarding mm. that. You can look at, ex- mm. like, a, a hell of a lot of negatives. You're like, mm. well, this cost me money. This cost mm. me time. Mm. This is now, I've used belts on it. This cost me materials. Mm. It's, you know, all this mm. stuff. But that's our natural inclination is to want to go down that negative Negative, road. A negative bias, yeah. And that negative road is so easy to go down Mm. because it's just – it seems to me that that's how we built. We built to to push ourselves and say, well, this this is shit. Like we need to know Mm. what's bad Mm. so that we can survive, Mm. you know. We need to know the negative. Yeah. But how much time do you spend focusing on the negative mm. when, so you, when you've got things to learn about the negative? Mm. So the negative teaches you things. So it's like that saying the, the you can't see the forest for the trees. Mm. So the trees are all the negative things. Which comes back to sight once again. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, you could you could you could look at mm. Any situation in a negative light. Mm. I could look at that lathe that I've got mm. there and say, fuck, I don't know how to use it. Mm. Okay. And I'll and because of that negative thought, I'll just be like, well, that's Why that. Should I Why should I bother? Yeah. But I could look at the positive and say, well, I've got so much, so much to be thankful for because mm. I have this lathe. I just have to put in the time to learn how to use it. Yes, mm. there's going to be negative things that happen mm. on that lathe. I'm, I'm maybe mm. going to fuck something up mm. um, in the learning process. Yeah. But those negatives teach you mm. things. You yeah. could look at any negative aspect mm. as a teaching mm. agent. Yeah. Does that so make sense? You have to be critical and, and see your mistakes. Yes. But you can't – it's the same as with depression. You have to – what the fuck? Okay, um, but you have to also you have to look at things critically. But you also you don't want to go down that death spiral. Yes, uh, which is what I call depression. It's like sometimes you're allowed to have off days, but you can't let those off days turn into off weeks or off months. Yeah, and that comes down to discipline. Discipline. Discipline sure. equals freedom. Jocko yes. Willink. Who said that? Jocko Willink. That's interesting. Mm. Well, I mean, that's it, why if you if you follow him on on Instagram, yeah, he posts every single morning the time of his watch, like off past four, four o'clock in the morning, where he gets up and he goes and he works out, because what what works for him is is that discipline gives him the freedom. That makes sense. Mm. Well, if you think about a lot of successful people. They are always thinking about how to improve, what to do. They work on weekends. Mm. They don't sleep much. And, I mean, sleep's important, sure. Yeah. But there was there was a mm. video I saw today where, um, oh, man, he's, he's that um, – oh, man, what's the guy's name? He's an African-American um, – he's a pastor. He's got a show. He's got a big show. Oh. Um, you know that guy. He's been to South Africa. Has he? I think I think I can't remember his name now. Mm. But he, he he's a funny guy. He's mm. he's a really cool guy. But he was saying that rich people don't sleep. 
He's like, they don't sleep a lot. Mm. You know, mm. and they always, the point is that they're always working. They're always trying to pursue things. Things get them down. Maybe they go bankrupt, but they yeah. always find their way back to the top. The guy that wrote um, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, mm. he's been from millionaire to broke a couple of times. But he says what what helped him is that once you've made your first million, you know, if you lose it all, you can do it again because you know how to. Yes. So he made his first millions with, you know, the, uh, maybe before your time, you used to get these um, nylon wallets with the Velcro and like surfer wallets. Sure. He came up with that originally. Okay. And then he went bankrupt with it. He was living out of his car with his wife. Jeez. And the people are saying, oh, but – why don't you just get a job? And he, he says he never wanted a job. Mm. And then he came up with something else. And I mean, now he's fucking mega rich. Well, it goes back to this. Mm. Like, <clears throat> lots of people have got – there was a guy mm. on, on Joe Rogan's podcast the other day. He says anybody can be rich. Yeah. And what he was saying is that uh, if you're going to sell your time – Yeah. As the resource, which is the common way of doing things today, you're selling your time Mm. to somebody, to your employer, Mm. and you're selling your time, you're never going to get rich. Mm. Yeah, you might get better pay. You might be content with that, and that's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong, Mm. but I'm saying that uh, is that the most efficient way to to go about doing things. Mm. And yeah, some some people are maybe not as ambitious or Mm. maybe they're content with that and that's also fine. Or they're not as creative as other people. Or they're not. Or they're lazy. Or they're not driven in that way. So, like, for some people, an office job with security is what they want, what they need. But, But I mean. Other people, like, if you look at someone like Elon Musk, mm. he's never going to be happy with that. Because he wants to. He's driven to change the world. Sure. So, you know, some people have different ambitions. I mean, if you look at, like, a monk, they are some of the most content people, and they own nothing. Yes. And there's there must be some sort of – look, I, I'm not a monk, and I don't know, but there must be some sort of crazy amount of freedom that comes along with that, mm. that you, uh, you don't have possessions to worry about. Mm. You don't have uh, – you know, all our possessions need maintenance, all our possessions need uh, insurance. Mm. Um, you know, when you think about your car, when you think about even your flipping health these days, mm. you need insurance on that. You need life insurance. You need medical aid. You uh, need... I would agree with medical aid, but not life insurance. I think that that whole industry is a scam. Well, what I'm trying to say is a mm. lot of people do that. Yeah, and, and it comes down to sort of like what is expected of you. So what does society expect of you? So you must provide, as a man, you must provide for your family. Now, what I dislike about the insurance industry is they play on that insecurity. Is like, what if something happens to you? How is your family going to survive? And while we're talking about that, it's like that becomes down to worry. And I've just pulled up the lyrics of that sunscreen song that I like so Mm -hmm. much. Um, It says, don't worry about the future or worry but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. 
said the real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never cross your mind or your worried mind, the kind that blindside you at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon. Mm. Very profound. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in that song. For you guys, we, we'll put that on the playlist. Yeah, you um, must actually get the playlist. We, we've, we've got to do it. We've got to mm. do it. It's, it there's, there's actually a lot of wisdom in, in music. Yeah. If you if you just listen, like sometimes mm. I'll listen to a song just because I, I like the beat or I like mm. the rhythm or mm. whatever's going on in that song or I mm. like the drums. There's a lot of songs that I listen to just for that case, but... Mm. When you start listening to the actual lyrics, mm. look, there's a lot of bullshit out there as well. Yeah. That that um, mm. that sort of uh, put value on becoming rich and things mm. like that. And it's dependent on what you want. But it's, there's also songs out there like songs from Tool. Yeah. Um, there's a song called The Patient. Okay. And it goes on about um, – Basically, the guy says in the lyrics, he says, uh, be patient and um, I must keep reminding myself of this. I must keep reminding myself of this. And he mm. keeps going on about that. Mm. And he said, this tedious path I've chosen. Mm. Um, oh, man, I can't remember all the lyrics behind mm. it. Maybe you can keep them entertained while I find it. Yeah, well, um, for me, like... Different songs have different meanings, and like I found that maybe it's just I'm getting old, but like the older music had more meaning. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like Nirvana's music, yeah. it wasn't mainstream hip, you know, pop music or whatever. Yeah, it was more of I think it's like Joe Rogan was saying, you know, why do you get so many great musicians from? Seattle is because the place is fucking miserable. It rains the whole time. So you don't get outside. So you don't get <laughs> but I mean, Kurt Cobain was from Seattle, but his music had so much, there's feeling and, and pain and, and suffering in the music almost that, that on a, on a subconscious level you relate to. Sure. I, I agree with that hundred percent. Sorry. I'm just looking at the song, the Patient here by mm. Tool. Uh, this is from the album Lateralis. And uh, it says, uh, it, it goes on a groan, a tedium escapes me, startling the fearful. Is this a test? It has to be, otherwise I can't go on. Mm. Draining patience, drain vitality, this paranoid, paralyzed vampire acts a little old. Um but I'm still right here, giving blood, keeping faith, and I'm still right here, uh, carries on, giving blood, giving faith, uh, and I'm still right here, wait it out, going to wait it out, be patient, um, where's this part that I'm saying, uh, that I'm looking for? It's and if there were no reward to reap, no loving embrace to see me through this tedious path I've chosen here. I certainly would have walked away by now. That that is really deep. I mean that that for me is it, it's an extremely deep. Just that sentence there. Mm. 
Uh, that that actually makes me think of um, Viktor Frankl's book *Man's Search for Meaning*, where he, which he wrote um, while he was in the Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Yeah, he said, you know, the people that survived were the people that could find meaning and purpose in the suffering. So, if you have no meaning, there's no way to overcome your circumstances. And eventually, I mean, if you go to the extreme like Auschwitz, the people just gave up, some of the people. And he, he said you could see it in the bungalows. That the next, one day someone just doesn't want to get out of bed. And they won't get out of bed. The guards would beat them, and they still wouldn't get out of bed. And you, and you knew then that it would be a couple of days and that person would be dead because they'd given up. Mm. It, that's so sad. Mm to think about but it it shows the power of will yeah like that song that i've just mentioned there uh if there were no loving embrace to see me through i certainly would have given up by now so like yeah you might there might not you might be one of those people who hasn't had a great family life or hasn't had great support by your friends or whatever but there again expose yourself to healthy people Mm. Don't don't expose yourself to people who are constantly looking at the negative aspects of life. Don't expose yourself to people who are uh, what society views as losers. Mm. I don't like that term. But you but, know you have to be careful when saying that. In that, I think you can't avoid it, but you need to be aware of it. So yeah. So if there are negative people in your life, you should. You should try and cut them out, but sometimes circumstances dictate that you can't. So you, you have to be aware that this person is going to be a drain on me. Yeah. So you have to limit what time or, or what uh, emotional energy or, or baggage you, you give to it. I understand what you're yeah. saying. I understand what you're saying for sure. I mean, it might be your mom or your dad, and, and I'm not encouraging that people give up on their mm. family. What I am saying, though, is that at the end of the day, number one mm. is the most important. Mm. That's the way and I it see comes, it. it. It comes down to boundaries. So Yes. So I'm very educated on boundaries, and I'm fucking pathetic at it, <laughs> which is half of my problem is I don't, I don't maintain my boundaries. So if you look at the victimhood triangle, so you have um, the rescuer, the victim, and the persecutor, and you shuffle around positions in that. So I'm a rescuer, uh, but you try and rescue everybody, and then you feel a victim because no one appreciates it, and then you become a persecutor. So for me, I'm not violent. I become passive-aggressive, which is very bad. Yeah, sort of <laughs> apathetic then, toward... Yeah, it's like... <clears throat> it's a fuck you attitude. You, mm. you won't go out and tell someone to fuck off, mm. but your your whole demeanor demeanor will make them sure aware of want, that. Not want to be around you. Yes, and then you become the rescue again. Mm. And and it's an endless cycle of self abuse almost. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. It's like how can you expect to be happy mm. if you're not looking after number one? Yeah, it's it's one of Jordan Peterson's rules to life in that you need to look after yourself as if you were someone in your care. 
Mm. So if your dog or cat is sick, you make sure it gets to the vet. It gets the, takes all the medication and you nurture it and you make sure you get it back to health. But yes. if it's yourself, one of the big problems that doctors have is that people don't take the medication mm. because they don't care about themselves. They care more about the other people. And it it becomes eventually a huge problem. If you, if you don't look after yourself, how can you look after the other people? Well, that, that is exactly the problem. That's exactly the issue here. It's like some people will say, well, this is the most important person in my life. That is bullshit in my opinion. Mm. Because like to say that is like it's all nice and it sounds flowery mm. and everything and it sounds mm. very uh, – um, it sounds mm. heroic. Yeah. But – it's the rescuer speaking. It's the rescuer speaking, mm. and it's not mm. it's not a sensible way of going about things mm. because if you as you say, if you can't look after yourself, you can't make somebody else happy. Mm. It's like in, in in my opinion. In my relationship with Chantal is that it's my wife. Um, because I don't look after myself, she feels she has to look after me, which causes uh, issues for her. And it causes frustration. It causes frustration. It causes yeah. anger, resentment, mm. all of these things. Mm. So, and a lot of it comes down to, to not looking after myself. So, you know, you tend to forget sometimes. So it's that slow, you know, veering off to the left and all of a sudden you're fucking down in a spiral. Yeah. Whereas if you catch it early enough, then you can just, because I mean, your emotions will swing. They will. Way. They will. And you're going to have times where you feel like shit, but you can't let that dictate your life. It's like, okay, I feel like shit now. Mm. All right. But you're responsible for yourself. So, okay, I'm going to have to do something to get myself out of this. Mm. Um, and I think that's where addiction comes in. It's like some people resort to different methods. Um to try and solve their, their inner demons. Well, well, this goes back to that whole live feed that I did the other day. Um, is that a lot of things that we do mm. is like we justify it by saying, well, I'm taking a break. I'm, I'm switching off kind mm. of thing. I'm, I'm getting this escape yeah. from my reality because yeah. I'm not happy with my reality. That's one of my issues we can talk about later. <laughs> well, this this is the whole point of the mm. discussion is that mm. people do it via um, or uh, drug use or whether – I know for myself it's smoking weed. For me, my – what happens to me is when I start listening to too much podcasts, so I'm not maintaining my boundaries, um, then I start living in an alternative – Reality. Yeah. It's a fantasy reality because yeah. um, I'm not happy with where I am. And that's a down to environmental issues like the current shit job I have. Mm. Um, but <clears throat> there's other healthier means of dealing with it. Yes. So it's trying to find those methods and maintaining the balance where I really enjoy listening to podcasts. But it can't be the only thing I do. Yeah. It needs to be – look, mm. I think bad habits can definitely uh, – you can almost use bad habits to 
an advantage in a way mm. because you can say, okay, I'm not going to smoke a joint until this is mm. an example. I'm not mm. encouraging it. I'm just saying for my, in my case, mm. it would be, I'm not going to smoke a joint this week until I've done all the shit that I need to do this week. So that, that's actually a, <clears throat> a semi-healthy way of doing it. It's, it's delayed gratification. So yes. I'm going to go, and I'm not going to do – say I'm not going to have a chocolate until I've run. Mm. So it's motivation is like I've got to get a few things done and then I can reward myself. Yes. And if you look at all all successful people, they have delayed gratification <clears throat> because they know if I do these things, right now it's going to suck. Mm. Okay? But – in five years' time, I'm not going to have these same worries. Yes. I'm going to be in a far better place yes. um, and be much more successful or, mm. or more fulfilled. Yes. Um, so, like, for me, I still want to go and run the Washi 100. Mm. It's a 100-miler. Why, I don't know. It's just... It's something you want to do. It's something I want to do. But in order to get there, I've got to go through immense suffering. Yes. To enjoy that moment of crossing the finish line. Yes. It's like if you look at professional athletes like Usain Bolt or whatever, you know, everybody sees the 100 meter in the Olympics, but they don't see the 10,000 of hours of training put in to get to that point. Sure. So people, sometimes people look down on people who are successful and talk shit about them but they don't see the, the suffering and the work that was put in yes. to get to that point. Yes, yes. It's like a lot of these, a lot of uh, successful people were not always there, mm -hmm. but they just decided to put the dirt time in that sucked balls yeah. before they got to the point where you mm -hmm. actually noticed them as mm -hmm. a figure. Yeah. You would not know about who Tim Brown or Trenton Stander is, mm. and you possibly still don't unless mm. you're listening to this recording, but in 12 years' time, who yeah. knows? Yeah. We could be sitting mm. in a studio in New York fucking… Having Joe Rogan on Having Joe Rogan on a podcast, you know, yeah. and that's, that's exciting. Mm. It's, and this is another thing I said on the live feed the other day, is uh, a friend of mine… Um, from the Western Cape, he said it to me. I'm not sure if it's his original thought, mm. but he said to me, if you can't run, jog. If mm. you can't jog, walk. If you, if you walk, can't walk, fucking roll. Or crawl. Yeah. Or crawl, whatever. Mm. As long as you're making forward mm. progression. Mm. And that's the point. Like, doesn't matter. Like, that song mm. – the sunshine, the, the sun, the sunscreen, sunscreen yeah. song. It's like the, sometimes you're ahead, sometimes yeah. you're behind. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. You know, remember, what's it? Don't judge yourself by other people. Yeah. Or it says because the race, the, the race some, is long. The race is long. Sometimes, sometimes, no. So, sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. But remember, the race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Yes. Yes. So, if we judge ourselves by Elon Musk's achievement, we're never going to be happy. But if we judge ourselves according to who I was yesterday and who I am today, yeah, 
it's a much healthier way of, of looking at it. And, and, and I agree with that 100%. Mm. And here's the other thing about that, mm. is that this is the whole point about finding purpose, mm. is because if you don't have a defined purpose, a defined mm. goal of mm. what you're looking to achieve, mm. you're going to be walking in circles mm. because you're not going anywhere. Mm. It's like you, you have to have a destination mm. in mind. In mind so that you know and don't try and define your destination. Mm. Try and define it. Even if you can't see it right now, mm. see the aspects of it that you mm. want. Maybe you want to be financially stable. Mm. Maybe you want to be able to support your family financially mm. and emotionally and all those mm. other things. Mm. And everybody has to define their own destination within life. Mm. If you want to be an, an amazing knife maker, you mm. know what you have to do. You have to put in the time behind the tools. Mm. Um, you have to practice all of these skills mm. to get to that. The mm. small skills mm. start weighing up to bigger and bigger and it's bigger progress. Blocks. It's the building blocks. Yeah. So, um, whether you have a destination, the final destination in mind or not, you're going to end up there. Mm. So, if you have well, no, if you have no ambition, mm. you're going to end up there with achieving nothing. Mm. If you have a little bit, you're going to achieve a little bit. Mm. If you have, you know, dreams of fucking putting someone on Mars, you may not get there eventually, but you will achieve so much more. Then thinking, uh, it seems unattainable. It seems unattainable, but you you will at least achieve something great if you aim for something. Yes. Whereas if you, whether or not you aim at something, you're going to hit it. Yes. So if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit nothing. Yeah. And if yeah. you aim for a target, you should at least hit the target or close to. The yeah, and it's not always about mm. the bullseye because mm. not everybody is always mm. going to hit the bullseye. It's it's like photography. So if you don't like, if you take a shit picture, you start again, aim, focus, and take the picture. Mm. And if it's it's like your your final destination right now, maybe I want to be an awesome knife maker, but so maybe I want to. I want to focus just on kitchen knives. Mm. But in three or five or ten years' time, I maybe I said, I don't want to make kitchen knives anymore. I want to make axes. So your final destination may always be changing. Mm. Um, but if you've got some purpose to achieve or purpose that you want to achieve, it's going to give you meaning. Sure. Uh, and, and, I mean, it comes back to... Uh, something that Duncan Trussell was saying as well is that, uh, and I think I mentioned this before, mm. Duncan Trussell was saying this on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, is um, archery is such a, an amazing thing to try and mm. uh, practice. Mm. And he was saying if you look at it fr from, a, like, if you can look at life the same way as you look at archery, mm. it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Because he says, what's the point with archery? Mm. Point with archery is that you have all of these variables mm. that you have to practically, consciously control mm. to hit the target mm. in any environment, mm. especially if you're hunting with a bow. Mm. You need to be able to consistently hit the target. You need mm. to have an understanding of your anchor point, how to hold that, 
how to aim, the distance, the distance, the wind, wind, everything, all of these things, you need Mm. to understand it. And the deeper your understanding is and the practice of all of those things in Mm. different environments, Mm. they're going to change your results. Mm. But if you're proficient enough to get within a ballpark Mm. of hitting that target Mm. in any environment, Mm. Now you've got something to work towards. Now you've mm. got now if we can look at life that way, mm. what's the point? The point is maybe I want to be a better person. Mm. Okay, maybe maybe I see negative aspects mm. about myself that I get very annoyed with people very mm. quickly, or that I get impatient, or that mm. I interrupt people too much, or or that I tend to be argumentative for the mm. sake of it, or whatever. If I can conscience consciously control mm. those those bad negative aspects about mm. myself eventually it will become natural for me to do that so it becomes eventually it becomes conscious sub un- unconsciously competent competent yeah. yes eventually it will become that mm. it's like positive thinking mm. positive thinking in the beginning can seem like absolute bullshit because you're mm. like ah oh, well i don't believe that i'm telling myself this but i don't believe that i'm positive mm. i don't believe that i'm rich i don't it's believe like, this or it's i don't believe affirmations that. so affirmations are good it's like affirmations are trying to reinforce that belief that you're you know, I can be a successful knife maker. Yes. I am a successful knife maker. Yes. So it's it's training that because people think that you're oh this I think was discussed on that podcast with Rich Roll and Mark Manson, is that you know, you have the the conscious and the unconscious mind. And people mm. think that your conscious mind controls more most of the stuff. Where in actual fact it's your unconscious mind. So if you can't get your unconscious mind into the right frame or the right direction, you're not going to get there. Mm. So we are more controlled by our, un- our subconscious than our conscious. Yes. Because it's almost like the the thoughts that are on a back burner until mm. they come to the conscious mind. Yeah, because your, your unconscious mind goes through so many different things um, that you're not even aware of. I mean, if you think about driving, when you start driving, you're like focusing on clutch control and, oh, is it safe around me and uh, mm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the more the more you practice it, the better you become at it. Then you st- like when I drive now, if I have to think about the drive over from um, Benonia to Ritterport, I, ca- I can't remember the trip. I don't remember, you know, putting the clutch in, changing gears, things like that, because mm. it's it's unconscious. You do it unconsciously almost. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about it. Yeah. And and I mean this this is the thing as well is that. As I'm talking now, I'm not a hundred. I, I know the idea that I'm trying mm. to convey, but I'm not sure of the next couple of sentences. Sentences within mm. the next couple of seconds, mm. I'm not sure what you're going to say, mm. but I'm most definitely not sure what I'm going to be saying. Yeah. And then I'm not sure what words I'm going to be using. I'm not mm. sure what language I'm going to be or what words I'm going to be mm. using to convey this information. Mm. Like your brain is such an amazing thing. Mm. 
because you cannot ever tell me like if it's a planned mm. sentence yeah. it's weird yeah it's like it's like if you it's if not you, natural and if that, you have a conversation you've played out in your head that you want to have with someone um it never happens that way no. and if it does it's so forced that it seems fake and that's what organic is all about mm. and that's what we're doing right here is this is an organic discussion yeah it's it's long form conversation and it's not scripted we don't we we have discussions before mm. the podcast about mm. maybe things that we want to discuss and mm. and we always say if we get to them we get to them yeah if we don't we don't it's it's just to give us like a cue mm. maybe if we like run out of things to talk about we can talk about the weather Sure. <laughs> But you know talk, talking about the weather. And this this goes back to positivity but just holding with me on this mm. one. I was looking at the moon last night. Okay. The other day was nice and 14 the Passover. Mm. Um according to the mm. Jewish calendar mm. on the full moon. And whenever I see a full moon mm. It's an incredible thing to see. I uh, mm. I'm always drawn to looking at it. I remember mm. in the Western Cape it was such a clear beautiful thing to see because mm. there's there's hardly any light pollution there. Mm. It's really really clear. Mm. And it's amazing to see. And it was the first time I saw a double moon bow. Wow. It was I didn't know that there was a thing. Mm. Anyway, here's the point. I was watching the sky last night. and i was looking at the moon and it was shining through the mm. clouds and there were clouds going in one mm. direction and then you could see the clouds above those clouds going in an opposite direction yeah it said wind shear thing and i was like that's crazy mm. but in in watching all of this mm. a thought came to me and i wasn't high but i was like you know what that light shining through is so mm. beautiful mm. But when the clouds go over it it dulls a little bit and mm. then it clears up there's mm. a section of clearing mm. but it's all the bullshit this is what I was thinking mm. it's all the bullshit that happens in our lives mm. that that block out that light yeah and sometimes you got bullshit going in this direction mm. and then you got bullshit going in that direction mm. and then you get a clearing and then you can see the light again and you're like mm. there's the goal right mm. there's the goal mm. that's what we're going for Uh, right and it seems attainable in that moment mm. and then more bullshit comes through yeah. and then it blocks that that stuff out yeah and you must when you must try not get stuck in like the minutia of shit that's going on like there's certain things you can control and there's certain things you can't mm. and it's the ability to to let go of the things you can't control yeah it's like I could be going home and get wiped out by a truck. It's not something I can control. No. Um but I can control the way I drive. Yes. To reduce that risk. Yes. To so, a degree. To yeah. To a degree. So it's like I can control the way I drive, I can't control the way other people drive. Sure. Which is why it frustrates me sometimes when um the when the fucking <laughs> When the Malaki climbs out when I drive and yeah. starts looking and screaming, yeah. it's like, yeah. what's the point, Tim? It's yeah. like, no, just let go of that shit. You can't do anything about it. Exactly, exactly. And and getting back to what I was saying mm. there about the moon is that 
we just have to be aware that the light is always there. The hope is always there. Like it's like when it's overcast, but it's the sun's still shining. We know the sun's still there. Yeah. But we can't necessarily mm. see it. Mm. It's like But what? it's 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 all that bullshit that mm. covers and mm. and and it it covers everything and it makes it seem um dark and dingy and depressing mm. and bullshit. Um but if you can just remember that even though right now I can't see the goal clearly, yeah, it's there. I know it's there because I've seen it before. It's like my theory on on the weather, okay, in terms of life. It's like the sun will always be shining, but there may be clouds in between you and it. But know that the clouds are only temporary. That's essentially what I'm trying to say. Mm. Well put. Well mm. put. Very well put. It's like, yeah, the sun will shine tomorrow. You know, whatever happens, the sun will shine tomorrow, but there may be clouds of bullshit between you and your goal. Yeah. That you just, you've got to just go around it, go over it, go through it, whatever. It, and, and, and this, this mm. is, this is the, I don't know this because I'm such a flippin' nature lover, hippie, bush hippie, bush hippie. Like, and I've spent mm. a fair amount of time in the bush as well as you. Mm. But um, nature can bring on thoughts mm. that we don't even feel are our own. Mm. Um, you know, just just a simple thing like looking at the sky. Like, how often? Do people do that anymore? I remember I think, as a kid, like looking up at the sky mm. and making pictures of mm. the clouds, and mm. that looks like this, and that looks like oh, that. I and can see a lion roaring in yeah, the clouds. Like it's it's incredible. Mm. But kids, I don't know if kids do that anymore. I don't think they do. I don't know because I'm not a kid. Although my brain still thinks I'm a, I'm fucking young. <laughs> like when I get up in the morning, it's like oh fuck. But do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, just looking at flowers and how nature works and all of these things, it's it like drives the thoughts. It's like Afrikaans saying of, uh, what's it, throwing the baby out of the bathwater. Okay. So it's like you need to take time every now and then just to get out and reflect, uh, to get out of your own head almost. Yeah. Um, so that you don't you know, throw things by the wayside, which are actually important. Right. Yeah. So like you looking up at the moon gave you a, a, a different thought process. Like, man, is this, sometimes there's lots of cloudy shit in, in between me and what I'm looking at, what I, where I want to go. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's going to be clear as daylight, and other times it's, it's going to be cloudy as shit. But well, know, know that it's still there. Well, it's like Wasashi. Wasashi, what? Wasashi, if you can see the way in all things, mm -hmm. no, if you can, if you can, if you can see the way in all things, if you can see the way in all things, it will become. Oh man. I forget exactly what mm. it is. Um, oh, man. You I read it the other day. But it, it was basically saying once you can see 
the way it will become clearer in all things i think mm. that's it yeah once you or once you understand the way you will see it in all things something yeah. like that yes. and it, it sounds it sounds like nonsense but it it mm. actually has a deep meaning behind it mm. um and i think that's that's the whole point it's like just see it for what it is mm. and know that that you will gain an understanding of all this bullshit that mm. you're going through right now mm. is training you to become the better person that mm. you have the potential of being but you just have to view this bullshit as the training okay so now we're going to have to do some push-ups oh no well i haven't done mine for today so i'll have so, to do them so what david goggins says is that no growth can happen without suffering mm. so you have to embrace the suck you have to go through the suffering in order to achieve greatness but that's so true. Or to achieve growth. Because, I mean, if you think about just from an exercise point of view, you're never going to have a ripped six-pack unless you put in the hours of the suffering. Sure. Um, so if you want to become a great knife maker, you're going to have to put in the hours of suck. You know, mm. Burning your fingers and you know taking your knuckles off of the 36 grip belt. Yes. <laughs> Enough fuck. Enough fuck, man. Ik <laughs> Oh, fuck but, you. but I mean, um, man, there was something that I was going to mention based on that. Mm. Oh, this whole thing about, uh, I can't remember when it was, mm. but I was watching a video the other day and this guy said that priority mm. came into the English language at this and this time. Mm. And he was, he was saying that priority was never a compilation mm. of priorities. Mm. It's only modern language that we've turned it to priorities mm. it used mm. to be the most the one singular thing mm. that is important mm. so priority mm. okay so now when you look at if when you're setting goals for yourself you, mm. this, this guy had uh, an exercise that he mm. that he had with a pilot i think it was mm. and uh he said to him Write down all the things that you want to achieve, all your goals, mm. from most important to, mm. say, least important. Mm. And he wrote something like 27 different goals. Mm. And he said, all right, now circle the top five. Mm. And he said, okay, so those are your priorities. He says, so he said to the guy, what about the rest? The guy said, well, the rest I'll do like on weekends or when I get bored or mm. when I don't have other things to do. Mm. And he said, no, it's the wrong answer. You don't work on those. These okay. are your priorities. Mm. Like those other things are not important mm. because if you want to become a master mm. at, say, one thing, mm. like if you really dedicate it, mm. You will spend all your time mm. doing that one thing until you can do it in your fucking sleep. It's what, what Niels said about um, the way he taught himself how to make nines is that he spent hours, and not like 15 minutes at a time, he used to, he would forge just the tip of the knife and he'd work on different ways and he'd forge 100 or 200 fucking knives just forging the tip mm. until he got good at it. And he, he felt like I can take any piece of steel and I can put a tip on it exactly how I want it. Yes. 
And then he went into maybe shaping the handle or hammering in the bevels. And the yeah. same with his grinding. He didn't grind a knife and then carry on. He took a whole shit ton and he practiced just the plunge, getting the plunge right, just getting mm. it centered, just doing this. Different aspects, he broke it down into mastering each aspect so that when you come to make a knife, mm. you've already mastered a whole lot of the process. Mm. Otherwise, it's just going to look like, what is prachtig, Fricky? Yeah. It looks like shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is the whole thing is that mm. you, you've also got to be honest with yourself in mm. terms of asking yourself, mm. why am I not getting good at this? Mm. Like, I know I'm not good at forging. Mm. It's because I don't do it a lot. Mm. I know I'm not good at making great plunge lines on a knife. Mm. Why? Because I don't do it enough. Mm. And but, that's that's uh, the honest truth. You mm. you got it. Like you get down with yourself because mm. you're like, oh well, I fucked this knife up and what. Mm. Guess what, motherfucker? Mm. Do it more. That's that's the only reason I could do a full on a knife is I've done it so much, and it's it it just becomes you got to do enough of a task to master it. So. You know, to be a master in anything takes you, what's it, 10,000 hours? When you go and take a shit, mm. you're not thinking about it. <laughs> you do it every day. Yeah. And if you don't, you feel shit, right? Yeah. Or, so, you, or you end up with a, a, a shitty feeling in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that's a very crude example, but quite so. But mm. the point here is mm. anything that we, like, anything that we do, like, mm. Tying knots mm. or fucking doing whatever. Mm. It took time to get good at anything that we're good at right now. Mm. And if you can just practice consciously being aware mm. of what it took mm. you, I know that I am quite good mm. at bushcraft. Mm. It took me many years to mm. get to that point. Mm. It took dedication. Mm. It took time. And mm. it was a lot of frustration. Mm. But eventually I got to a point where I understood how to use a knife properly, first mm. of all. Which I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> how to use it safely. Yeah. How to manipulate natural materials mm. to make cordage, mm. to make shelter, mm. to do all of these things. How to procure water. Mm. All of those things, and I'm not saying I'm befock at all of these mm. things, but it takes time to understand mm. how to do each individual process. And when you think about a knife, especially a knife of the complexity mm. that you've just made there, mm. it takes a lot of carefuling. Mm. It takes a lot of frustration. Yeah. And you think, fuck, how am I going to put this motherfucker together? Mm. And eventually, mm. you end up putting it together and you think to yourself, may fuck. May fuck, Frankie. How did I do that? Yeah. And it's 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 like every single aspect of that I've done quite a number of times. But it's to get like this like if you look at this knife, um the the fit of the bronze piece in the front to the knife, mm. that took practice mm. to get it there. Mm -hmm. The fit of the guard. Yeah. Then like the the different handle pieces, there's pins joining the the bottom piece and the top piece and these intermediate pieces so that they align properly. But yes. it took time and practice to get to that competency level. Yes. Whereas where I feel comfortable being able to do it. Like sometimes like this knife has taken a long time to make because it's like pushing my skills. Yes. So it's like you half don't want to start because oh, I'm going to fuck this up. You don't want to fuck it up. But it, in the, 
eventually you're going to have to fucking do it. Yes. So it's, it's one of the guys I said, his theory is you do the thing you don't want to do. You do that thing first. Mm. The, the thing that you're putting off because you, it's, you're building a mental block. Like I'm going to fuck this up. Eventually you're going to have to fucking do it. Mm. So if you do it first thing, then there's that relief off your back. Then it's like, oh, fuck, I got this right, or I fucked it up. Oh, I'll have to start again. Mm, mm. Um, but at least you've, you've done some effort. You've made some progress. Yes. yes. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Mm. You, I definitely find what you just said there mm. to be very profound because the, the thing about me is that I definitely feel that mental block. Mm. Like there's certain things that I've done that I look to and I'm like, wow, okay, I did that. That's Mm. cool. Mm. And I know I can do it again. Mm. But you keep feeding yourself. And this is Mm. the problem with not keeping momentum Mm. is once you've lost that momentum, it's Mm. very difficult to get back into it. It's extremely difficult. I mean, I go through phases sometimes where I can just go, all I can do is go and sit in the workshop. I can't, fucking do anything my yeah. mind space is not there um and you know you, you've got to you know sometimes you just got to fucking grin and bear it and just force yourself to do the thing you don't want to do to get that momentum started so that and, and the most difficult if you look at the way a car pulls away mm. it does the most effort just to get it moving once it's moving, to accelerate is fucking piss. Yes. That's um, a brilliant example. So if you can just start the motion. Yes. You know, to, to maintain it. I mean, look at a plane taking off. It takes a move of a lot of thrust to get it going and fast enough so that when it gets to the end of the runway, it can take off and not fuck off into the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, once it's up and it's flying, it doesn't need that much effort, that much power. Yes. Like a plane is... The higher you can fire pain, the more efficient it is mm. because there's less resistance. Mm. But when you're down on the ground, mm. to get it going takes the most effort. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the other thing about getting that momentum going is mm. that now you know the destination of that knife, mm. for example, mm. is now started. Yeah. Now you've started it. Now you get excited because yeah. you're like, well, fuck. It's like this I- is – this is moving toward the finished product. I can't wait to get to fucking finally pin on those last two pieces. But it's like, you know, it's playing the patience game. It's mm. like each step of the way was difficult. But I think that break that I had done P when I came back, it was just like, okay, I'm going to knock this thing out the park now. Yeah. And I've been far more productive in the last couple of days because my, my headspace, I've taken that break. And it's sort of like rejuvenated. Well, it takes you out of your environment Mm. and it takes you to a different place. You were Mm. exposed to nature, Mm. which has been proven to Mm. give people creative ideas, Mm. um, inspiration and Mm. all these things. So that in itself, it it shows you that, yes, work hard Mm. when you're working. Mm. But when you're not working, let your mind unwind. Mm. And then new ideas can come to you. Mm. Inspiration can come to you. Open mm. your mind. 
broaden your mind. Let it let it be in that moment when mm. you're in nature, when you're doing the things that you love, when you're spending time with people mm. that you love. Be present in that moment. Don't mm. be thinking about, oh, fuck, I need to finish that knife. Mm. No, just be present because mm. the present is all that it really matters. Mm. The past is gone. The future is not here. It's only in what is here now. Yes. And if you can get over that concept of past and present, of mm. past and future, mm. then all that becomes necessary right mm. now is the right now. Mm. And the thing is, if you focus on when, what is important now, then getting to the end goal is much easier. Yes. So if you know, if you want to be like a top-notch knife maker, mm. you know that you've got to do the... If I'm doing <coughs> fucking hand sanding, mm. you know, if I've spent more time on the grinder getting my grinding better than I know, like that knife, I started it at 600 grit. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I used to start at like 320 or 220. Mm. Now, because I've got better belts and also that I've spent the time getting the grinding better, mm. now it's pissed to fucking hand sand. Yes. Yes, because you can grind it to a point where it takes mm. less effort to hand sand. Now, mm. hand sanding becomes less of a ball leg. Mm. But and the, it becomes it becomes a time now, like yesterday, I listened to, I think, three podcasts while I was working. Yes. Because it put, put the earphones in and just fucking go. So yes. it's like, do this. Do you this. don't feel bad that you're wasting time. Yeah. You're actually learning while mm. you're doing something. And, it, and the, the earphones like drown out the background noise. Yes. So you can, you can focus better. You can focus. Mm. And, and this is the whole thing. I mean, when we started doing this podcast, mm. I don't feel that we were extremely good at conveying thoughts mm. and conversation mm. very well. But the more we've done the podcast, mm. I mean, we're on episode 15 now, which is, mm. is not a lot. Yeah. And we're only going to progress from here. Mm. But the point is we understand how to talk, how conversation mm. works. Mm. You talk, mm. I say something back, mm. you think about it, you talk, I mm. say something back. All and it's, it's, it's like a different mindset where you, you're trying to like almost force a conversation. Whereas now it's more like, okay, Trenton's saying something. Let me listen to, to understand what he's trying to say instead of listening to try and have an answer. Yeah. So it's trying to understand, listen to understand in terms in, instead of listening to argue. Yes. Yes. And by all means, if you've got a, a, a point that you want to argue, we do do that. Yeah. You, you're entitled to your own opinion mm. and your own beliefs, but it, you can't shut yourself off to the conversation. No. Which is, you know, the more you can have the conversation, and the, especially the difficult conversations, the better it's going to be. Because if you if you can't get get to those deeper con- like like I was at my psychologist on si- Sunday what no man on Friday mm. okay and she said I said I've got like no time for idle chit chat and she said yeah but that's the problem because without the idle chit chat you never get to the deep conversation mm. which is like Ah, oh, you fucking dummy. <laughs> mm. Well, that, that's the thing. That's mm. the thing. I mean, 
I was talking to Jack about the podcast and he's mm. like, yeah, I didn't listen to that podcast because it's too long. Mm. He said, you guys make it too long. Mm. And I said to him, the thing is, you can't have a profound, mm. thought-provoking podcast mm. in, say, 20 minutes or mm. half an hour. You just can't. I mean, Joe Rogan's proven it. You know, all these, if you look at mainstream media, they try to have all these fucking hit pieces. You mm. know? It's got to be short, condensed, you've got 15 minutes. And if you have someone on, like Elon Musk or Jordan Peterson or fucking... Graham Hancock or, or whoever. whoever. Simon Sinek or... You can't... You can't compress what they have to say into 15 minutes. No. It's just not fucking possible. If the conversation needs to take three hours and you come back tomorrow and you have to do another three hours, that's what you have to do. Mm. Um, because otherwise it's just a news bite. And it's, it's like it has no meaning. There's no context to it. There's no context. That's mm. the that's the point. I mean, the Queen of Sheba didn't travel all the way to flippin' Solomon just for kicks. She knew that he was the wisest man mm. on earth at that time. Mm. And she was like, well, I'm going to take the time mm. to go and listen to what this man has to say. Mm. I'm talking biblical terms now. Okay. But the point is, if you want to gain something, mm. once again, you mm. have to put the time in. You have to be patient enough to listen through mm. things and, and figure out how, like, I mean, when I listen to Joe Rogan's podcast, mm. I'm looking at how he's talking and how he's conveying mm. information, mm. and it's extremely exciting to listen mm. to. It's mm. very exciting. Mm. And it's helped me be more aware of how I convey information and mm. how I listen mm. and how I talk mm. and how I pause to mm. hear what the other person has to say back. Mm. And those are all important cues that you have to practice to mm. become better at conversation. It is mm. a skill. And it's it's a it's almost a dying skill because now everything's got to be compressed into how many, what's it, what's it, 144 characters, what used to be 144 characters on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like in the old days of SMS where you could only have a certain oh, number of characters. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's like conversation is so much more than just the word spoken. I mean, there's all the visual clues, the body language, mm. tone, um, you know, it's like if someone sends you SMS in all caps, they're shouting at you. Apparently. Yeah, apparently. And if it's older people, it's because they haven't figured out how to turn the fucking caps lock off. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it's misconstrued information because it, it, it's it's like describing anything. Mm. Words can only do so much. Mm. There's all the other information that's lost. And you can see when somebody's actually listening to you. Mm. Like you can see when, when somebody's waiting for you to take a breath so they mm. can say what they want to say. Like that's frustrating because mm. you're like, you're not listening. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you're not, you're not fucking listening to yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. You're just like, <gasps> and they're like, boom, in. And they're like, motherfucker, you're going to hear what I've got to say now. <laughs> it's like if my daughter tells a story, she's got to like start six weeks ago at the company bra or something. But it's some like, people's brains work like that. Yeah. Some people's brains work like that. I know I work like that. Like if I want to tell you a story, I'll be like, okay, all right, all right. So you have to I, set up the context. Yeah. 
I'm like, but it's got no real value, but I feel that it has. Mm. And then I could just shorten the story down mm. and tell you the actual point. Mm. And some people get very frustrated with that. Mm. Some people get extremely frustrated with mm. that because they're like, I've got shit to do, motherfucker. Yeah. Tell me what the story is so mm. I can carry on with my fucking day. Yeah, I'm like that sometimes. You know? Yeah. And it's, it's, hard. it's something I definitely have to work on because it's like the – you know, the, what did I say? It's like the idle chit-chat. You mm. know, you have to actually make some time for that idle chit-chat. Mm. Otherwise, you're just going to be in your own fancy head, own fancy world. Well, there again, it's, it's, it's yes and no once again. It's like how much idle chit-chat mm. versus no chit-chat at all. It's boundaries. Because it's boundaries again. Like for me, uh, like if I'm in my garage and I'm working, I don't like to be disturbed. Mm. And it's okay in some sense, mm. but it's also not okay. Yeah. It's, if it's like never, mm. then it's a problem. But if it's like, okay, I actually I do need to take a break. I've mm. been working flat out for like four hours or five mm. hours. You need you stop and take a break. Um, sure. Otherwise, you just get lost in a different world, which isn't reality. Well, it's like when I was very new in the in the knife making. In, I'm mm. still very new, but I mean, when I was extremely new, mm. uh, and I would go and see Niels mm. because I idolise him, mm. um, as I'm sure many other do, mm. ma- many others do. Um, I wanted to just spend time with the dude mm. and just chat to him, mm. and then I would get frustrated because he was working, mm. he was doing shit, mm. and he's like. He would, and he would also get like, like I'm, I'm doing stuff. If you want to talk to me, talk to me, but I'm doing shit. Mm. And he's mm. organizing his guys. He's mm. getting shit done. And you don't understand it because mm. you're like, well, come on, dude. I'm here now. Let's, mm. let's chat, mm. you know. But he's like, no, I've got shit to do. And it's mm. frustrating, mm. but you, I understand it now. Mm. There's a lot of things that I'm only understanding now, mm. you know. And, and I understand what you're saying about when you're working and then like when I'm working here and then my mom wants to come and talk to me about beef prices, I'm like, Oh my fuck. Mm. Really? <laughs> really? Are we doing this right now? How much do you think I should sell the Baltang for? I'm like, I don't, I don't care. It's, it's like, organic grass, grass grazed, fucking felt grazed, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> just sell it. Just, sell it. just like make a profit, sell it. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, it's like, I don't have time for it, but I do it to other people yeah. as well, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it comes down to boundaries in a certain way. It's like I feel that my family doesn't respect the boundaries of my workshop. But then again, I also don't respect the boundaries of my workshop. Mm. Well, so, so, and it also comes down to communications. Mm. I can't get pissed off at people who, or like if, they want to come into and speak to me in the garage. I can't get pissed off with them if I don't tell them, listen, yeah, between this time and this time, I'm going to be working. Please don't disturb me. Mm. You know, if you don't convey the boundaries, yeah. how, how can they respect them? Yeah, that's true. So it's, it's down to communication. Yeah. Which is what I suck at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mm. I suck but, at it too because I'm – Sometimes I'm way too patient mm. 
And then other times, I, I'm because of all the patience that I've mm. conveyed, I'm like, but I haven't told the person. Mm. And then I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> we're not doing this. We're not doing this. Yeah. Like, it's not happening. Yeah. But Joe, and then they're like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. You know? Yeah, are you bipolar? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck. Are we going to get some more coffee? I think so. All right. I so think we're gonna, so. We're going to pause it here and then I'm going to save so we don't lose this shit. Yeah. Right. Coffee. Coffee. Right, and we're back with some coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch you in the chest when I start that shit. <laughs> I'm doing that in Jack's workshop the other day while he's, while he's like Kidding. measuring something with a vernier. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and he's like, eventually he looks at me, he's like, what are you smoking? <laughs> oh, my God. Satang's cabbage. Mm, I wish <laughs> somebody was supposed to bring me some today. Oh well, shit happens, eh? You know what? You know what? Oh. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but no. <I'm> a... <laughs> oh. oh man, what's wrong with saying that you love another person? This is the thing that's so fascinating to me is that people are so, like, especially men, Mm. men are so scared of that. Like, if you say that to a really masculine dude, he'll be like, what? I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, if you, if you, the Bible says to love your fellow man. Yeah, but there's many different types of love. Mm. In the Bible, there's, like, in in, in Greek, Mm-hmm. There's there's five definitions for love. Mm. Agape love is your brotherly love. Mm. So the love and you and you and I would have toward yeah. each other. Because like no matter which way you put it, mm. like you you love things in different ways. Mm. Like I love my tools. Yeah. But I'm not gonna fuck them. You know. Well, it depends on how hard you use. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, I love Mm. eating fruit. Mm. I love curries, Mm. you know, but I love my fellow man as well. I love my friends. I love my girlfriend. I love, but they're all different types of love. And this Mm. is what the Greeks have different names for. There's agape Mm. love. There's uh, all these different, there's motherly love, fatherly Mm. love, brotherly love, Godly uh, love for God mm. as well. Mm. Uh, I think that's in there as well. I can't remember all the different names for them. I'll have to do some research on that. But mm. like, that's the thing. It's like, why are people so weird about it sometimes? Mm. It's like, yeah, it, it is. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing, and it's. I think it comes down to insecurity. Yeah, it's or like, that person hasn't mm. been exposed to nurturing love. Yeah, or they don't. Or they don't respond well to it. Yeah, it's it's something they half fear, or, or it it it. Um, trying to think of the fucking word. My English is finished today. Um, it brings it. It causes discomfort. Yeah. Because they don't know how to deal with it, or they they're not being. Ex- it's like if you. Baking a cake, right? Yeah. And you've done a lot. It's comfortable for you. Yeah. But you throw someone who's never seen the back end of a fucking kitchen in there and say, all right, bake this cake, here's a recipe. They're going to feel intimidated. Sure. And they're going to feel stressed by the situation because mm. they're not exposed to it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think there's also a lot to do with love language in terms of that. Yeah. Because everybody's got their own way of expressing affection, mm. whether that's um, acts of service or acts of service or physical representations mm. of love mm. that you you maybe embrace somebody yeah. uh, to show them love. And some people are really weird about that as well. Mm. Like some I think people, if you try to hug Niels, you might end up lying on the floor. I've hugged Niels before. <laughs> I've hugged Niels before. He's just a big teddy bear. He's just a big teddy bear. Uh, That's yeah. all he is. He pretends he doesn't like it. He actually mm. loves it. <laughs> <laughs> But like that—that's the. I guarantee, if I I hugged him once while he was trying to weld something up, yeah. and he's like, "Dude, I'm gonna fucking burn you." He's a card. He's a card. He's a card. You don't want to be on the wrong side, though. Yeah. I said something once, and I was like, "Oh, shouldn't have said that." Well, what man. do you know about fucking algorithms? <laughs> And that was the last time Trenton ever spoke about algorithms. Unless he tells a story about how. <laughs> oh, my word. But yeah. that's the thing. It's also, he, like, calls you out in bullshit. Mm. And it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, I mean, you need people to call you out in your bullshit. Mm. Because otherwise you're going to feed yourself misinformation all the time. Yeah. And you also take people for advantage. Like, you take people... Like you take for people for fools, basically. Yeah. yeah, you take them for granted. Yeah. Um, that you think I can, I can talk about this because I think this person doesn't know anything about it. Yeah, and it's and, like Grant. Yeah, you would never say he studied psychology and philosophy. Mm. Never. Unless you get into the discussion and, and you're like, this motherfucker. <laughs> he's been playing me. <laughs> <laughs> like, Grant is an interesting cat mm. because whenever I talk to him, I'm very aware mm. of, like, the fact that he's he's calculating. He's analyzing. He's, he's like, analyzing. He's, he's sifting through the minutiae to get to the core Yeah. Why is it important? Yeah. And it's not a negative thing about him. It's just that I'm very aware that he's he's trying to figure out how do you, how is this dude thinking. And it's it's you you become more ways like this is not a guy I can bullshit. No, you no 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 no. Not that that's my ambition. I'm mm. I'm not trying to bullshit anybody. If but I it, it gives you a healthy respect. Is like hang on. By speaking with Grant, you know, it's it's changed your mm. way of communicating. So it's like, actually, I need to think about what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, which is important. you you got to think about what you're saying because mm. you don't want to – you don't want to spread false information. You don't. Yeah? You don't. I mean, you want to be – you want to be as truthful as possible. So you've got to believe what you say. Sure. I mean, that's what Jordan Peterson said when he when he was still a student and stuff. He used to speak a lot of shit, mm. and then he he got to a point. He said, "You know, I don't like the person I become." You know, because he would argue any point just to argue it. He says, "I don't like the person." He says, "He said he went on a mission. He's like, I'm only going to say things that I believe to be true." Yeah, and it changed his conversation completely. Mm. Well, if I'm honest with you, mm. 
and I don't want to put this on somebody else because ultimately how somebody else affects <clears throat> you tells mm. you a lot about who you are as a person. Mm. But I grew up with a dude <clears throat> who um, who had no no problem lying. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not going to mention who it is, but yeah. he had no problems about lying about even things that you don't have to lie about. Yeah. You know, yeah, we all lie mm. from time to time, sure. Mm. Like, we're bullshitting ourselves mm. if we say, oh, I don't lie. That's well, a lie. that's a lie. Yeah. Because you do, whether <clears throat> whether it's... To other people or to yourself. Or whether it's to yourself. That's, mm. that's the truth. Mm. So, but the point is... Try to not do it, yeah, but but here's here's the whole story. Mm. Sorry, mm. I got sidetracked. I got to a point where because I wasn't comfortable with who I was as a person, yeah, and I was spending too much time with this dude, mm. and I would lie about shit. That eventually I was like, why am I lying about all of this stuff? Mm. Like it's, I don't have to lie about this. It's keeping up appearances, and and it also becomes like. A thing to see how much you can get away with mm. in terms of just like like how gullible are people but the problem is you mm. get caught in this web of lies mm. and it's so much easier just to tell the truth and it's then it's easier to remember mm. the truth because yeah, it is the truth <clears throat> yeah it's the truth as best as what you can rec record it, recall yeah. because you, you know your memory is flawed mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's why defense attorneys have a field day on people who are a little bit less confident because they make you doubt what your memories are. And, you know, your brain is imperfect. Sure. So you remember, <clears throat> you remember things a certain way um, based on how you perceive them but also how you store them. Mm. So, like, there's always the three truths. So there's my truth, there's your truth, and there's the real truth. Yeah. And if you try and be deceptive or speak lies or things like that, you corrupt your memory. Mm, that's true. So you don't remember the things exactly how they happen. Mm. Um, and when you're not speaking the truth, you've got to try and remember so much more shit it's like, oh, what did I say last time? Uh, yeah. Whereas if you just speak the truth, it's like you know, some people might get offended. Mm. <clears throat> but, it's, but it's the truth. But it, it's, 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 it's your truth. truth. It's your truth that you perceive. And if some people get offended, well, then they get fucking offended. Yeah. Um, but your intention is not to go out and offend. No. So there's, there's like ways of communicating things that are – constructive or destructive. Mm. So like if you take a knife to Niels and you say, well, what do you think about this knife? You don't want to ask Niels that question. <clears throat> if I take a knife to Niels, I'm not going to ask him what does he think. I'm going to say, if you if you can give me one point that I, that I should work on, what would it be? And that's what Stuart does very well. It's like Stuart will say, look, your edge thickness is a bit thick. You mm. need to work on that. Sure. And he gives you the one thing to work on. And then when you take something back to him say, I've been working on this. What do you think? Is it better now? And you'll say, yeah, no, it's better, or you need to do a bit more work. Yeah. And you'll say, right, okay, now you've got that right. Now you want to look at, say, plunge lines. Yeah. Or different things. So 
<clears throat> you can be constructive or de- deconstructive. Yes. Um, well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've, I've become a lot more uh, truthful mm. in what I say now. Mm. But to say that again, we all lie. Mm. You know, but it's it you need as long as you're conscious is like if you're having a discussion and you think, Man, geez, I've been bullshitting this now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You need to sort of backtrack and say, no, listen, yeah. I, I was speaking bullshit. I don't know why I went there or whatever, but yeah. X, Y, and Z. And you find people respect you, like there's mm. nothing wrong with saying I don't know. Mm. There's nothing wrong in saying that. Mm. Like, you'll find that people will respect you for mm. just saying, well, you know what? I don't know. Mm. There's nothing wrong in saying that you don't know. Because if you if you are trying to tell something, mm. tell somebody something as a fact, which mm. you know is not true, mm. or you're just trying to sound clever, mm. that's bullshit. It's like, I think it comes down to the tribal instinct or trying to, wanting to be accepted into the tribe. Yeah. So sometimes you you go along these paths where you think in order to be accepted, I have to project this image. Okay. So I need I need to know my shit, you know? Mm. Meanwhile it's like a lot of the times it's like Well I need say, to well I need to make people think that I know my shit. Like <clears throat> like if I'm having conversations with people about knife making I will speak my mind and then I'll think, hang on, fuck, do I really know all this shit? Mm, mm. And then it's like, actually, now I do. Because mm. I doubt myself a lot. Mm. That's one of my big problems is that that's why I got written on my board, you are enough. Yeah. Because, you know, you you start doubting yourself and then it's just a death spiral. It's like, no, you actually are good. I mean, if... I put the picture of that dagger on on my family group, and it's like my one my one aunt said that's like really stunning work. I said, "Yeah, I know if you practice enough, you get lucky." And she said, "No, but it's really it is stunning work." And then I said, "Actually, thank you. It's you know I've well, worked hard to get there." There's nothing mm. wrong in mm. accepting mm. a compliment. compliment. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You also need to be aware of how much you value other people's opinions mm. because it's like be careful whose opinion you pay for. Yes, and and be mm. be patient with those who give it yeah. to you for free. Yeah. Um Yeah, I, mm. look going back to the whole lying story mm. is that I would say things in the past, and mm. once I cut association with this person, mm. like, I became a lot more aware of what I was doing, mm. and I and I started becoming a better person. No, because the thing because, is, because I became okay mm. with that, I became okay with quieting that voice in my head that said, "You're mm. talking shit, dude." Mm. And then when I stopped hanging out with that person, mm. I was like, "You know what? This is not okay anymore." This is this is not productive. It's not adding to my life. People mm. people can tell when you're talking shit. Mm. People are not stupid. Mm. And you are presuming that they're stupid by mm. just doing that, by just talking shit. Well, there's there's the thing that says 
if you look at the five people closest to you, that's who you're going to become. So if you want to hang around with people who speak shit and lie and deceive and things, you're going to eventually become like that. Yeah. If you surround yourself with people who are successful in the field you want to be, eventually you will become successful. Yes. Um, because it's just the way it is. Yes. Yes. Um, if, you, if you want to be a millionaire, hang out with people who are millionaires. Yes. Because there's, there's, a, there's a thought process or there's a uh, – yeah, it's a thought process. There's a way of thinking that made them achieve that. Mm-hmm. Look, if you want to be a trust fund baby, and you, you hang around with trust fund. No, but if you want to be successful, you need to surround yourself with successful people. Yes. Because if you're not, then the people you surround you are going to drag you down to their level. Yes. That's why you should never argue with idiots because they will they will beat you down to their level and beat you with experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's 100% true. And... I mean, as we were talking about earlier, that we, we, because you and I have a lot of, a lot in common, yeah. and we get on very well. Mm. I feel that built when you when you leave. I mm. feel that built. Mm. I feel more capable. Mm. I feel better about myself, mm. and hopefully, I can do that for somebody else in the future. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if I look at the knives you had at Brooklyn. Mm. Your knives are better than about 80% of the people who were at Brooklyn, knife makers. Yet you, you half didn't believe that you were capable. Well, I don't know about 80%. I, I, I appreciate mm. you saying that, but there, there's, there's a lot of guys that I, that I respect there who mm. do phenomenal work. Mm. Um, and... Yeah, I I made some mistakes on those knives. I'm not gonna lie, I made yeah. some big mistakes there, um, and I tried to camouflage mm. them because the t- mm. of the time. Mm. I I didn't have time to fix it, and uh, I remember showing Stu some of my knives, Stu mm. Smith, <laughs> and I'm like, they're not sharp and they don't have logos, and he's like, stop making excuses. I know what's wrong with them. I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, and it's mm. and it's not to say that there were. Like he just has a very keen eye. And the thing is, he wasn't. He's not looking. He's looking at a knife to see where you are as a knife maker. Yeah. So then, for Stuart, he's going to look at the knife and say, "Right, you know, the biggest thing I can see you need to work on is this." And he's going to give you that advice because he wants to help you. Yeah, I know. I know he does. I know Um, he does. And. That's why you need to be careful if you ask Niels to look at your knives. You must yeah. be, you must have a, a box of tissue papers because you're going to cry. <laughs> you need some weed, mm. possibly some DMT, no. and and <coughs> some comets. <laughs> no, you don't want to, you don't want to have any hallucinogenics when you're with Niels criticizing your knife. You might see a, a black dragon. <laughs> you can have a bad trip. <laughs> You might see a black dragon. Oh, man. Um, But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just. uh, Okay, sorry, we had a little interruption there. Yeah. We are back. We're not present, but we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, what was I saying now? 
Yeah, there, there were a lot of night makers there who, mm. who are definitely respected and, mm. and they're very, very skilled. Mm. Um, I, I feel like what I did at last year's Brooklyn was good for the first year of being mm. a knife maker. Mm. I think it was good enough mm. for for that period of time. But if I do that same level of work at this year's Brooklyn Knife Show, mm. that's a problem. Yeah, because you, you haven't progressed. Yes. I mean, if I look, I mean, when I was down in PE, I sharpened the kitchen off for my mother that I made for her 2016. Mm. And I look at it and it's like, uh, it's not that fantastic, but you know, if I compare that to where I am now, it's like, actually, I've come a fucking long way. Mm. Mm. From square square corner handles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to look at your work from from when you started yeah. to where you are now, and you get a, a much deeper understanding mm. of how things work. Mm. And if you can just understand how things work, mm. it gives you a better idea of how to improve those things. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> you need to look at it from a sort of like this is a journey that I'm on. Mm. and the journey is long and you, in the end you're only against yourself. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's having, looking back and saying, actually, you know, I have made progress. Mm. Because sometimes you're like, you're never sat, you're not satisfied <clears throat> with your own level, your own competence in the work that you do. Mm. And it's like, you get bogged down that and then you just need to take a step back and say, right, this is where I started. And this is how my journey's progressed. So actually, I am making progress. I am getting better. Mm. Um, and if you never judge yourself like that or, or go back and, and just reflect and see, uh, I am actually progressing, you're going to get stuck in a negative headspace. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why the – like Stuart had a, a video, uh, it was yesterday, that he put it on. He was – I think it was yesterday. He was talking about – his battle for the last three years of getting fucking pins lined up properly on his on his handles, the the, the locating pins. Oh, for the for the guard. Yeah, for the guards and stuff. Mm. He, he's, like his pins were perfect like that. When you look at it this way, other way they're like skewed. Oh no! And then he figured out that like when he draws the hole, because it, the table of his drill press is not precisely ninety degrees. When he drills the one hole, then he turns it around. Oh, By turning it around, shit. he puts the two pins at opposite angles. Yes. Yeah. So Did you see Niels's video on how to get your your uh, drill press ninety degree, the table of your drill press ninety no. degree. So what he did is he mm. took a piece of um, wire. Yeah. And he put it in the drill press in the in the chuck. Mm -hmm. So he tightened it in the chuck, <clears throat> and then he bent it from mm. straight down mm. to like. An angle. An angle. Mm. And then to come down and touch the table at the mm. one edge. Mm. And then you turn the chuck. The, the chuck mm. And if it's higher on the opposite side, mm. then it means your table's not 90 degrees. Yeah. You can do that uh, with, I'm sure you've got one, is a dial indicator. I've got one. Uh, I've got a hold for one. I haven't mm. got a dial indicator that's accurate, though. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that's like if, you, if you're truing up on a milling machine. Like when you put a vice on it, you want to get it square to the to the feeds. Okay. You put a, a dial indicator on the head, and then you move it left and right to and adjust it until you get it running straight. Yes. 
So it's about squaring up. Yes. All sorts of different. I suppose Niels's video was for those guys who don't have. Yeah, because the thing is, a dial indicator for a decent one, you're going to pay a thousand rand. Yeah. And not everybody's got a thousand rand to blow on a dial indicator for one job. mm, Yeah, and I mean, you get some very expensive brands out there like Matsutoyo. Yeah. Very expensive. But you get what you pay for. Mm Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm yeah. saying it's just, that it's just it's, some it's, guys just don't have the cash. They don't have – it's not within their means. So, like, it's like I always say, you have to start with what you have. Mm. But the big thing is you have to start. You can't yes. wait for you to have all the best equipment. I no. Mean, if I had to wait until I had a decent belt grinder, I still wouldn't have made enough. Sure. I still don't have a decent belt grinder, but at least I've made knives. Yes. And I can work with what I have mm-hmm. until I get something better. 100%. So, yeah, start 100%. with what you have and fucking just go. Yeah. Get yeah. going because once you're in motion, then you can start. Things become easier when you're in motion because mm-hmm. the thing the thing is when, when, I, was, when I was prepping for Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I was, look, I was panicking for sure, mm-hmm. but I was becoming a lot more aware of, <clears throat> like, how things go together because I was trying to make so many knives at, at mm. one time. It's not like I was, I mean, before Brooklyn, I would make one, like, grind, mm-hmm. one knife, you know, after you, heat treating it all, I'd make, I'd make one knife at a time. That's mm. the point. Um, and there wasn't enough production going on for me to start seeing the mm. problems in my process. Yeah. Um, and when you got multiple things going on mm. at, at similar stages of the process, mm. it starts becoming, are you like, Oh, okay. You get that aha moment. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so if I don't do this or mm. if I do do this, mm. then it will be better. Mm. But if I don't do that, then it's going to be a ball ache. It's like, how do you learn to do plunge knives on plunge plunge lines on one knife? You can't. You can't. You can't. You're gonna. You have to do five or six in a row to try and get that muscle memory to get that, you know, figure out exactly how to do it. Because, like Neil says, you can't teach someone how to grind. You can show them. Yeah. But they actually have to get behind the grind and teach themselves. Hundred percent. 100%. And like you can tell them, you can you can say to someone, uh, you can get them started in the right place. Like get your grinder to this height. Mm. I mean, like my grinder was forever too low. Yes. You know I mean, remember when you first came there, my grinder was too low. Yes. And I've since changed it, so now I had a more comfortable height. Yeah. Which I, makes my grinding easier. Well, this is the thing. I couldn't understand why you were grinding at that height because mm. I was like. You and I are more or less the same height. Yeah, I think you're a tiny, like two or three centimeters taller, but the the ergonomics of it was shit. Yeah. And until it's like when I watched that video of of, of that you put up of Jack grinding mm. with the platens in slightly towards him, it's like, oh my fuck, mm. that makes so much sense. I man. I still battle with grinding like that. No, but do you, do you know the reason why Jack grinds? Like I know. I know. It's better for his back. It's better for his back, mm. and that's fine for mm. him, but it doesn't work for me. Mm. I've I've tried to grind like that, but I can't see fuck all when, mm. when I grind like that because the mm. top of the platen is in my mm. way, okay, and I yeah. can't see anything. 
Yeah, but so at his height, it mm. works for him. Mm. <clears throat> but at my height, I prefer that thing mm. 90 degrees. Yeah. And, and that's just everybody has to figure out mm. what works for them better. Mm. I mean, when I, when I started learning how to grind actually properly, um, Jack, was, Jack was showing me. And he mm. was saying, you've got to feel the grind. You've mm. got to feel it. And I was like, fuck off, man. How do you feel a grind? And you can feel it when it, if you're doing a flat grind, you can feel it when the blade is flat. Yes, it's you can. But only now do I understand that. That's my mm. point. Mm. Um, you know, you say things in your head that you like, I, like, I don't get that. Mm. I don't understand how you say you feel the grind. Like mm. you can feel when it's right and when it's wrong. Now mm. with the, more experience that mm. I've got now than what I had then. Now I understand what he's saying, but mm. because, but it takes you got to you got to spend the time behind the machine to to actually fully understand yes. what he's telling you. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And I mean, <clears throat> it's like if you tell someone how to, how to drive a car, you know how to get the clutch control. You actually have to feel it. You do. You do. You have to feel because you can feel it. And you can sense it yes. from when you can you can almost feel the engine dying a little bit, so you need to get a little bit more petrol or just ease the clutch a bit just to get it. Once it's going, then until you do it, you'll never understand it. Yes, yes. And I mean, it's – the machine almost starts becoming an extension of you mm. because you, you start – you start noticing things that an unexperienced person would not notice, and I mean, like shuddering and what that does. Now you start getting multiple facets. Mm. If you're not going in at the same consistency mm. all the time, like there's, there's so and many And it's also things. learning your own machine. I mean, yeah. for me to grind on someone else's machine, mm. I remember when I did the Brian Blixen, the mm. first time I did it. Mm. And like we had to pick a grinder and I, I tried one of the the, the weaker ones with the, the three the seven fifty watt with the VSD, mm. and it was just wasn't working for me because I was used to a much more powerful machine. And when I used Niels's machine, the powerful one, I ground so much better because I was more comfortable. Yeah, I knew how it it had the same feeling. Mm. Whereas um, if I grind on a machine that's less powerful, I battle because I'm not used to working the machine. That way. You see, I've got the opposite problem. Mm. I've got an underpowered machine. Yeah. So when I work on your machine or Jack's machine mm. or Grant's machine, mm. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. hold on. This but is this is way too much power than what I'm used to. And it's the same reason why I don't use I, – I don't grind bevels on a knife with a 36 grip because it, it just goes too quickly. Charles. Yeah, that's why I prefer a 60 or 80 grit because you fuck up slower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, like we, if you're on a, on a lower powered machine, you can go with a 36 grit because you're not removing material as mm. fast. Mm. Only problem with a 36 grit is if it slaps you on the forehead, you feel it. Yeah, see. <laughs> end up with a racing strap <laughs> yeah, down the middle of your face. Um, mm. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, like, when I was starting out making knives, a lot of the guys would say to me, 
why don't you finish majority of your handlework on the grinder? And I was like, because I'm not comfortable yeah. on the grinder yet. I'm not, I'm not at that stage. Now, mm-hmm. I do most of my work mm-hmm. on the grinder mm-hmm. in terms of finishing the handle. And um, so the, the finishing mm-hmm. of my handles now has become easier because I am more acquainted with the grinder that I have mm. and and I've also set it slower when I do my handles. <clears throat> yeah. So I, st- I have a pulley system on my grinder. I don't which, have a VSD. Yeah, which is what I need to put on my grinder. <clears throat> so the torque is still mm. there. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's... <sighs> it's it's it, building up the confidence in the yeah. new machine. So like, yeah. I do a lot of the... Sh- I do most of the shaping of my handles on the machine, but I know where I can't do it. And then I have to sort of rough it and then finish it with files and sandpaper yeah. because I don't know how to do it any other way. Yes. So until I have a different machine or I have learned a different way of doing things, that's the way I have to do it for now until I figure it out. Yes. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. You keep learning and you keep – and you – the more you go and spend time with other knife makers and you mm. see how they do things, mm. you can try it and see if it works for you. And if it does, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, well, then you keep doing it the way that works for you until you find somebody you, else's way that does work for you. At least you know one way that doesn't work. Mm. It's like Edison didn't fail at making a light bulb fucking 10,000 times. He just figured out 10,000 ways how not to make a light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, this this is the thing. You, you can learn from somebody else and you can adopt certain things that they do. But sometimes you've just got to figure out your own way of doing it mm. that you find better for you. Mm. Um, I mean, the times I've spent it... Jacques Mungus's workshop when you're still here, mm. working on the power hammer and working together. I mean, we made a hot cut hardy for his big motherfucking anvils, 250 kilogram fucking beauty. Is that the one Grant's got now? No, he, he, he's he got the same one, same make, mm. but it's not the same anvil. Okay. But like working together and seeing how other people do things gives you, and working in other people's shops gives you more of a pre- appreciation of what you have. It teaches you far more than just sitting in your own little cocoon. Yes. yes. That's why you you have the benefit of working with Jack. I mean, mm. Jack's a fucking master. He is. And, and then he'll refer to someone like Henning as a master. Mm. Mm. And then <laughs> Henning will talk about someone like Steve Schwarzer, mm. who's an absolute master. So, mm. you know, we we all think that we, we under mm. – you know, we all have our our, our place mm. is what I'm trying to say. Mm. But we all have somebody that we respect. Mm. Niels has somebody he respects. Mm. Uh, I'm sure Steve Schwarz is one of them. Yeah. And, and, and it's the same as Stuart has people he respects. Yeah. Um, and I think if you have – you need – I think this is what Matthew McConaughey said. You need something – You need someone to chase, almost. Mm. So, like, having someone to look up to and someone to aspire to will help you get better, as long as you use it in a positive light. Yes. 
So it's, it's no point in me saying, oh, this Bowie is shit compared to what he, Kevin Harvey makes. Yeah. It's like, that motherfucker's been doing it a long time. It's like, I want to get as good as that. Yeah. So I've got that end goal. It's like, that's that's where I want to be. Yes. But it's going to take time to get there. Yes. Because we, we each, we're on our own path. Yeah, everybody's on their own path and everybody's just got to, we've just, as you say, we've just got to view it in a positive light and mm. say, well, you know what? I will get there, mm. but it is going to take time. Mm. And as long as you, as I said earlier, much earlier, when, as mm. long as you're moving forward, mm. that's the point. Yeah. That's the point. That actually gives me an idea is that we should somehow figure out a way to get to Kevin and Heather. Yes. And if that means us doing a course with them, well, fuck, we're going to have to make it happen somehow. You're going to have to make that happen. Yeah, I, I had a I had a meeting at the bank. I was I was going to solve all my financial problems. I was I was so excited I couldn't get my balaclava on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to sell a kidney or a fucking eye or something. No, no, I, I look. We'll have to save up for it. Mm. It is an expensive course, but mm. it will definitely change a lot. Mm. It will it's, improve it's, a lot. It's a level up. Yeah. I mean, everybody I've spoken who've done a course, be it with Kevin or with Henning or with Niels or whatever, is that it's like it gives them – it's like a, a an unfair advantage almost. Mm. It gives them a big level up. Mm. Um, not in terms of skill-wise, but I think it's in terms of understanding what you're capable of. And yeah. of what, you know, <clears throat> well, I think your skill definitely improves. Your skill improves, yes, but, but you have an understanding as this is like actually, you know, what they're doing is something I can achieve. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's half why I still want to go and do a course with Niels. Mm. Um, just to to reassure my mind that actually the way I'm doing things is right, or I need to tweak this or this. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's like Grant's, Grant's going to go do a, I don't know if he's done it yet with, with Henning, a grinding thing. I think you. I think he said he went there the other day. He did, but he there, there was a miscommunication. It was for photography and not for. But uh, he's still going there. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Henning is a really helpful guy. Mm. He's, he's he's a very humble guy. He's, he's a humble guy, and he's willing to help. Mm. Uh, and and that's that's what. I think a lot of us knife makers respect mm. about the bigger guys is mm. that they're just willing to help. Mm. And I mean, they, they're willing to take the time to, as long I mean, as you're actually trying, mm. they're willing to help you. Yeah, and I, I think they are the, the oddball that, that like keep everything to themselves, but they're losing in the long run. Yeah. Because they're not going to get exposed to, you know, if you want to learn how to master something, you have to teach someone. Sure. So one of the guys I follow, um, he says, he talks, talks in terms of income. He says, like, he's, if he's, say, at a, a million dollars a year turnover, you want to be hanging around with people who are doing, say, three million a year, but you also want to be teaching people who are doing, like, 300,000 a year. 
So you teach people a little bit below you, and by teaching them, you hone your skills, yes. and by hanging around people who are a bit higher than you, <clears throat> you're learning from them. Mm. And then you can apply it, and you can teach it, mm. and you get a better understanding of it. And that's where, mm. and that's where conversation also comes in. The art mm. of conversation is also mm. being able to communicate thoughts mm. and ideas mm. in a way that's simple and understandable to people who are below you. Mm. Because if, if you're talking to somebody who's well versed in the craft, mm. they understand what you're trying to articulate. Yeah. But if you if you're talking to somebody who doesn't know shit about knife making. Mm. You have, to un- you have to understand that and say, okay, I can't talk in these fancy terms mm. that somebody who, like yourself, mm. would know about some whatever I'm trying to tell you, mm. you would know what I'm talking about. Mm. You, can, you can picture it. Mm. But the problem with somebody who doesn't know, mm. you've got to be able to articulate that in a way that is simple enough for them to understand it. Mm. And that because once you understand something, Mm. Now you've got a basis to work off. Mm. And the thing is, it's like one of the other guys I follow, he said, you know, you, sometimes you have to be the idiot in the room. So you've got to ask the dumb questions. Yeah. So-called dumb questions. Mm. And get someone to explain something in a simple enough way that you can understand it. Yeah. Because if if they can't do that, you're not going to learn. Yes. If they can and then you understand it, then you can communicate that better to someone else, or you can help someone else much easier. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know if it makes sense. That does make sense because, yeah, I mean, as I say, like when it comes to teaching bushcraft, mm. I can talk in terms that that people will not understand because mm. they're just not acquainted with it. It's not mm. because they're stupid. It's mm. just because they don't, they haven't been exposed to this mm. information before. Mm. So you'll get the oddball who will know something about a cookser mm. or who'll know what a cookser is. Mm. But to an everyday person, they may not know what a cookser they might is. Think or it's a, like something like a cookser stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cookser stuff, right? A cookser stuff. No. So, you know, and and just trying to make things simple enough like there's a very big difference between trying to talk in a way that is fancy and fluffy mm. and make people okay ooh this guy's knowledgeable but i don't know what the fuck he's talking about mm. there's no value in that yeah you need to all you're doing is inflating your own ego by doing that it's it's like uh, using jargon that nobody re- it's like if you read a legal contract it's like you're dumber after you've read it than when you fucking started reading it yeah. because it's just it's not on your level of understanding. Understanding. Yeah. It's like if, if I had to talk to you about what happens in steel and heat treatment, I could fry your mind. But at the same time, someone who's a metallurgist who studied the shit, yeah. they're going to make me like question everything I fucking believe. Yes. Yes, exactly. You start questioning why you wear shoes. and mm. <laughs> like, Not that that's got anything to do with metallurgy, but – that's that's the point. It's like what what is the point in talking in terms that people can't understand, yeah. but you're inflating your own ego by doing that. Yeah. But if you can just simplify things mm. and say, well, okay, I've mentioned cooks, but I'm going to tell you what that is. Yeah, it's a Scandinavian drinking cup, and that's mm. what I'm talking about. Mm. So essentially, it's a it's a drinking cup. Yeah. All right. Now people know. Mm. Okay, cool. Cooks, Scandinavian drinking cup, cool. That's and uh, and then you then they have an answer. Okay, 
So a Cooks's is a is a cup, right? But now you can make this cup with bushcrafting skills, with carving skills. Yes, and that that's that's the point. And mm. and then you start talking to them about how to how to craft things, mm. wet carving, mm. uh, a green wood crafting versus mm. dry wood mm. crafting, and all of these things that I'm not extremely good at, but I'm relatively proficient. There's, there's a guy that I found on YouTube, the Bigfoot. Roger. Okay. He, he's a greenwood. He works with greenwood. Mm. So he's got a pole lathe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, the, the way he talks about or the way he does the things he builds with greenwood, we, he's got like a pile of a shit ton of wood outside. And he's like, okay, I'm going to make a bowl. And he'll go and like, ah, oh, fuck, that looks, ah, it's good enough. It's still green enough. Or, yeah. Uh, it's too green or it's too dry and it started to crack. I can't use this piece. Yes. You'll, you'll go select a piece of wood and you'll start whacking it with an axe and then get it and put it on his fucking pole lathe and, and fucking start turning. And it's like, mm. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's done in a way that's easy to understand. Mm. Mm. I mean. Well, know. yeah. I mean, if you just look at a lot of guys who do uh, – green woodworking mm. and also dry woodworking mm. or whatever, and like woodworking in general, mm. like there's the, there's the, the fine crafted mm. things as well, mm. but then there's the rough and functional stuff as well. Mm. And both of them have their, their place, their place and their mm. beauty. And, mm. and like, it's, it's like making a knife that is functional, mm. but making a knife that is extremely beautiful. Mm. Like they both have their place. Mm. But like, it's like what? What is your? What is your? What is your point? What do you want to achieve? Yes. So if you want to achieve a knife that is fucking pure art, mm. then there's one path to follow. There's a path to follow. Mm. But if you want to make something that's functional, mm. but doesn't look like a fucking dog's breakfast, mm. there's a different. It's a different way of achieving a, a certain goal. Yeah, mm. and there's also beauty in in simplicity. Mm. Like you can make a simplistic knife that is still beautiful. Mm. It's still functional. It's harder though, because if you're making something that's simple, mm. and you want it, you have to execute it perfectly. Yes. Um, well, I think you, that's if you if you're making something more complex, it's easier to hide mistakes or stuff that isn't perfect. So like if you make a Damascus knife, you you don't need to get a mirror polish on it mm. because you're going to etch it. So you can hide <clears throat> your your level of competence in hand sanding or okay. finishing. So if, if you say want to make a knife that's a mirror polish, there's a certain set of skills that have to do it. Sure. Um, a clean mirror is, is difficult to achieve. Yeah. So <clears throat> you can do that with a simple knife, mm. but your execution has to be on point. Yeah. Whereas if you say doing a Damascus knife, your execution on that point doesn't have to be on point because it's not what the knife's going to be judged on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be judged on the mirror finish mm. because that's not the point. It's a, mm. it's a Damascus blade. Mm. 
Look, I think there's definitely guys who are going to be arguing with you on that mm. fact, but it just my opinion. It, yeah, to 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 make a simple knife mm. that is is beautiful mm. is a skill on its own. Sure, sure. Because in in terms of ergonomics mm. and blade geometry or edge geometry, mm. rather, and and like what the knife is intended for like mm. my main goal mm. is to make bush crafting knives because mm. that's what my passion is mm. and outdoor knives in general is what mm. i want to make mm. um i'm not saying i'm not going to make other things mm. but that's my main priority is because i i like bush crafting and i mm. teach it and i enjoy it and, and you, so for me to make a bush crafting knife, it's a functional and, and it, and it makes sense, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got their own thing. Like, like Jack's got his razors and that's yeah. what he's good at. That's and what he wants to be good at. That's what he wants to be good at. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Niels makes incredible daggers. He's mm. known for that. Stuart makes incredible Pukos and Bowies and yeah. all those things. He makes incredible everything, yeah. but he likes doing his poop codes. And the thing is, they they at that level where they know what they want to make. Mm. And that's what they want to make. Mm. And they've come far enough that that's what they, they can make a living by making what they want to make. And mm. people will buy it. Mm. Mm. Whereas if you're just starting out and you want to make art daggers, it's going to take you a long time to get to that recognition of someone else. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you have the the means to do it, say say if it's not your source of income, you can do it. Mm. And because it's not your source of income, if it's your sole source of income, you actually have to do things that can sell um, in order for you to start making a name. Mm. When you can then decide, okay, now I'm just going to make bush crossing now. Yeah. So, yeah. like you, you've made a few chef's knives and things, mm. um, and it interests you. Yeah. Um, but it's not your main focus. Your main focus is on bushcrafting. Like, if I had to try and make a bushcrafting knife, it wouldn't be the same level as yours. Because it's not something <clears throat> It's not something that really what I want to do. It's not, it's not my focus. Mm. My focus is I want to make fucking beautiful knives. Mm. Um, and you know, the more I'm making knives, the, the narrower that focus is getting and what type of knives you want to make. Sure. Whereas like you, if you make, if you want to make bushcrafting knives, you can make functional knives and you can also make fucking fancy functional knives mm. if you want to, mm. but it's going to take you time to get to that level. Yes. I mean, if you want to make a, a bushcrafter out of, fucking 400-layer Damascus mosaic pattern. Mm. It's going to take you time to get there. Yes. It's still going to be a bushcrafting knife. Yes. But it's it's something that interests you. Yeah. It doesn't help you. You try and do things that you're not really interested in making mm. Mm. because it's it's just going to detract. You're going to get, you're going to get bored with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that... Um, I think especially for knife makers starting out, mm. they can get over-enthusiastic mm. about what they want to make. 
But I think they, they can get it. But I think when you're starting out, you must try and make as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. Until, until you – so try making all sorts of different things until you find like, hang on, this is what I like to do. Yeah. Right? Okay, so now I can start focusing a bit more. Yeah. But until you know what you want to do, yeah, you must you must experiment. Yeah. So it's like like the dagger you want to make, mm. the takedown dagger. It's like mm. you've you've made a few knives and you've played around, and it's like mm. this is something you want to do to challenge yourself. Yes. Um, and it's going to put you on the next level. Yes. Yeah. So you you have to. It's, it's like Neil says. You have to have that knife. That project knife that you don't think you're capable of making. Yes. Yes. Because it's the only way you're going to grow. 100%. 100%. If you don't challenge yourself, you're never mm. going to know what you're capable of. Mm. So I guess what my point is here with the with getting over-enthusiastic, mm. especially with new makers, and mm. I, I can relate to this because I'm still relatively new, is that um, – you look at all these guys making these fancy things and you're like, oh, I want to make that. Mm. That looks incredible. It's that like looks when, exciting. When, when Neil stood a mind goosh, everybody wants to go make a mind goosh now. It's like you're not at that skill level yet. Mm. 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 Um. But, but here's the thing is that you need to have a foundation. Mm. You need to have that simple knife mm. that all – like even if it's a flipping planned out uh, design that you mm. get from somebody else, mm. you take that, you cut it out, you get to understand the fundamentals first. Mm. Don't try and run before you can flip and crawl. Mm. That's like, why I say, if when you're starting out, you mm. should try and make as many knives as possible. Mm. But it doesn't mean you have to finish as many knives as possible. You should mm. try and make so. Say you make you you want to make bushcraft. It's like, okay, let me cut out fucking twenty blanks. Mm. If you're doing stock removals, mm. let me cut out twenty blanks. Right, okay. Now I'm going to get good at cutting out blanks. Mm. Right, okay. Now I've got these blanks. Right. Now what I want to do? Okay, now I'm going to I'm going to plan the handle. I'm going to drill the holes. So you you try and do as many mm. iterations as possible to mm. get that confidence. And then it's like, okay, now I'm going to, well, maybe you should first start to grind. Now I'm going to grind. I'm like, oh, fucked it up. Throw it away. Next one. Mm. Until you get good at it. And then it's like, okay, now I'm good at this. Okay, now I can focus on the next thing. Mm. Mm. So you've got to f- focus on individual steps at a time, which is going to get you to the end product or the, the uh, you make you a better maker mm. in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to frustrate yourself like, mm. oh, I've got this one knife. Now I must get this perfect. Mm. It's not going to happen. Mm. I mean, I see your wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wall of shame. No, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a wall of learning. Mm. That's what it is. It's like, I look at that. Made a knife out of mild steel. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb fuck. Dumb fuck. <laughs> what did you do? Yeah. Mark your steel so mm. you know what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and look – there's, there's lots to be said on all these different topics, and, and that's why we're having all these different knife makers on. Uh, but let's just talk before we end. Uh, let's talk very briefly about, because I see we're on three hours there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a flippant sermon yeah. um, on the mount. Yeah, sermon on the mount. 
<laughs> Whenever my brothers and I were in trouble, mm. we mm. got home late from a party or something. My mom would insist on having a flippin' chat on the couch about why we were so late at two o'clock in the morning. You, mm. You're a little bit drunkies. You, mm. you, you dehydrated. You haven't got any patience for anything. Mm. And we used to call that the sermon on the couch. Yes. <laughs> But the thing is, you know, my mother, my mother would never have that conversation with me when I got home. Mm. But the next morning at seven o'clock, no. that vacuum cleaner would be out there. Oh no! Ba ba ba! Yes, all the things. No 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 no. Yeah, because you can't reason with a drunk person. No, no, no. But anyway, mm. here's the point. Uh, Dex. Dex is happening. Well, we, we hope it's happening. We hope it's happening. We're waiting for my fellow South Africans who's. Supposed to be speaking tonight to see if they're gonna fucking throw curveball. Yeah. So. But we, I, for my, for everybody who's involved with it, I really hope it happens. You know. Yes. Because, you know, we need these things to, to keep us going. Yeah. I mean, I remember last year until Brooklyn was announced. You know, it's just so depressing. You know, you don't have something to look forward to almost. Yeah. It's it's. Or a goal you, to, to, to pursue. Yeah, you walk away from these shows, have gained uh, new contacts, new customers, mm. a newfound respect for fellow knife makers. Mm. You also um, get a lot of inspiration, mm. a lot of inspiration because you see new ideas. And and then you also you can have a look at like different knife makers and say, hey, you know, my knives are actually not that bad. Mm. Um, and and it's a, it's a sense of everybody's on this journey together, mm. and everybody had to make a shit knife at some point. Mm. Um, and it makes you just realize, it, even though you, even these guys mm. that you very much respect in the community, they all started somewhere. Yeah, and they understand the the turmoil and the issues mm. and that, and that's why they give you their time. That's mm. why they give you advice because they know the frustration. I mean, they didn't all have mentors. They didn't all have uh, all the machinery to begin with. I mean, um, I've, as I said, I've never done an art making course. I've sort of taught myself and stolen information from other people, mm. like spending time in other people's shops. Mm. It's that's because that's the path I chose and it's the path that's available to me. Mm. Mm. Um, other people have different paths. They're on different timelines. Yeah, yeah. Um, other people have different sets of skills that that are better than yours. Or yes. They have a, a, a head start on you, but it doesn't mean you're not in the same race. So yeah. you may be on the same sort of going in the same direction, but your end results will always be different. Yeah, and it branches out into different things. This mm. journey, you eventually find out what you're actually meant to do. And that's mm. why, like, a lot of what Gary Vaynerchuk says make, makes a lot of sense. Is He says, try as many things when you're young as possible. Yeah, because like, when you get to my age, it, it's much more difficult to change course. Mm. Well, you don't want to because you feel like you've wasted time. It's not just that. It's, it's like... The responsibilities you have when you're much older. Yeah, sure. It's like, I can't just quit everything and go make knives. I mean, yeah. fuck, I've got to feed a family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, mm. that's, that's the whole thing. It's like, and I guess that's why he says when you're young, because you've got the 
you've got the patience, you've got the enthusiasm, you've got, mm. well, maybe, I don't know about patience so much. Young people are notoriously impatient. But the thing is, you know, if you start, if the cost of fucking up when you're young mm. is far less than when you're older. You know, if you become bankrupt at 25, so fucking what? Mm. Now, if you become bankrupt at 60, you're kind of fucked. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, man, it's uh, it's a big discussion to have. But yeah. I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm sort of running out of things to say right now because I'm, I've am i got a bit of a headache. So I think, <laughs> have I cooked your brain enough? <laughs> I think I need some water. Um, but, John, Dex, we hope that's mm. happening. Mm. If it does, if nothing interferes with it, then I will be going through to Dex with my good friend Dean Becker. And I will be interviewing Mr. David Hula. Ooh, that's going to be it. That's oh, I so interesting. wish I could be there, but... I wish you could be there too, bro. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked out that way. We will do it next year together. Mm. We'll do it next year together. And then possibly be exhibiting too. Yeah. At Dex. Who knows what my fellow South Africans will say, so... Well, yeah. Who I've, knows what will happen in a year's time? Who knows? I mean, Today is the the twenty. Come on, move. Twenty. The, it's twenty ninth. No. It's the twenty ninth. Is it the twenty ninth? Yeah. So we've been in lockdown for three hundred and seventy seven days. Who would have fucking thought that a year and a half ago? Jesus. You know what? How quickly the world can change. Hmm. So yeah, it's not something you should worry about. Focus what you can control. Yeah, focus on what you can control. That's mm. the point. Um, and don't focus on what you don't want to happen. Yeah. Adapt, overcome. That's what we hear as, 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 a, as a species, we've been able to adapt. Mm. Not necessarily. Improve, mm. adapt, overcome. Yeah. Not necessarily in the right directions always, but we, we wouldn't be here if we weren't good at that. Well, this is the thing that you you adapt because you find out that it's not beneficial. Yeah. You make mistakes. You realize this is not a wise course for me mm. to go down, and therefore I'm going to change my ways so that I don't. But you need to be conscious of those mistakes. Mm. Mm. And as long as you've learned from mistakes, yeah, that's the point. Mm. If you don't learn from mistakes, then you're just fucking insane. Mm. Oh, I keep bashing your head against the wall. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to get a headache. Exactly. Yeah. Which happened right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys. Yeah, decks. Hopefully, mm. cross your flipping left toes mm. and, um, and your fingers and nape. And uh, let's hope for the best for yeah. decks. Uh, there's a lot of uh, knife makers who will mm. be going through there. I believe Dex has now fallen under. Well, Niels is helping with the organisation. It's fallen now. into knife shows that see it at ZA's. Okay, which okay. I think is a is a great thing for the show itself. It's mm. it's been around for thirty odd years. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and as a brand, you know, having Niels behind it, it's, it's a big help. It's it's gonna it's gonna help move South African knife makers. In a positive direction. Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, what for me would be first prize eventually is that, you know, knife shows in South Africa get more recognition 
and more international exhibitors. Yes. So eventually, maybe it be, could become something similar to Blade Show. I mean, Blade Show is like the ultimate. But, you know... There's no reason why it can't get there. With Niels, Niels there and, and, the, and the right people <clears throat> behind it, um, it can get there. I mean, can you imagine if we had five Mastersmiths exhibiting? Oh, man. If we could get Jason Knight, Steve Schwarzer, mm. and some of these other guys from overseas over, yeah. we, we, would, we would have a lot of guys coming through. Mm. And I think there's some exciting things that will be popping up in the, in the next little while. Yeah, as long as my fellow South Africans doesn't fuck everything. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's another discussion. But anyways, guys. Thanks a lot. Peace out. Mm-hmm. Stay high. Yeah. And uh, stay positive. Yeah, stay positive. Just not COVID positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. But guys, thanks for listening. And we hope you we didn't bore you to death, but uh, we had fun. We had lots of fun. Mm. And uh, I think there's a very high possibility that we might turn this into two podcasts. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll discuss it after the fact. Cool. Sweet, guys. Much love. Thanks for listening. TNT out. (laughs) Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast. And we'll see you again real soon.